0: Hi, this is Julia Leewald.
1: And this is Eric Leewald.
0: And you're listening to Comic Relief Podcast.
1: The Comic Relief
2: Podcast is an unscripted discussion about the pop culture surrounding comic books with your hosts... Uncanny Thomas Loeb. And the mighty Michael Moreno. So hello ladies and gentlemen, today we're very lucky to have with us Eric and Julia Leewald, co-developers, writers, and story editors of the very awesome 90's X-Men The Animated Series. How are you guys doing today? wonderful.
0: Having a great time here at Comic Fest. Excellent.
2: First of all, let me, let me uh, start off by saying that your work on X-Men the Animated Series was pinnacle growing up. I started getting into comics around the same time that the X-Men Animated Series came out. I don't know if it was uh, the, the, the universe aligning properly or what was going on, but at that point, X-Men became one of the best-selling comics at the same time that the Animated Series was coming out and was a major hit on television.
1: Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was a, it was a real high point, I think, for both the comics industry and for animated action adventure TV. It just all kind of came together then, and now things have kind of dispersed a little, and there were only three or four networks there. Now there's like 500, and so everybody knew what everybody else was reading and watching. We we were stunned that there were were Saturdays that over half the viewing audience in America was watching our show. And I mean, what a strange feeling. I mean, you, you write the show in your bedroom, and six months later, all these people are yeah. enjoying it and sharing it Fuget. and talking to their buddies about it. Huge.
0: And also, we've met many people for whom X Men the Animated Series was their way into the comic books. Because oh, yeah. as hugely popular as the comics were, that was still a smaller percentage of your general audience versus the folks who just happened to have a TV. Finding them on Saturday morning and then, go, oh, that's interesting, and using that as the way to get into the comics then.
2: even to this day when I talk to people and I ask them what comics they read growing up even though they are fans of the X-Men of the movies, of all the, everything that Marvel's doing now, they'll say, oh I didn't really read comics growing up but I watched the X-Men cartoon and we'll get into a bit of uh, the history of, of the comics versus the show because it was really a cliff's notes of the history of the X-Men. You guys did a great job with that and we'll get
3: into that sure. in a moment. One of the things is, so I'm, I'm old so I was reading X-Men before the animated series, right? Sure. And so uh, there's like the CBR forums when I go on there I am telling you 90% of the people X-Men the Animated Series was their introduction yeah. you know what I mean it's a, it's a huge amount of people you guys did like a massive impact yeah. on we,
1: people yeah well we were warned I think it's just it's just it's uh, uh, the, the late Margaret Lesh who made it all happen who'd been working for seven or eight years to get the show on TV with no luck because none of the networks are taking it. they think, oh ah, kids won't watch cartoons about comic books. Forget it. And so she pushed it, so she got it on, and when she was telling us how to structure the stories there, especially the first year before everybody got you know, fully into it, she said, guys, you got to understand, there are a certain number of people, it's a very popular comic right now, and those people are reading it, but that's like 10 or 15% of the audience that I need. they are going to be 80, 85% of the people that are going to be new to mutants, they're going to be new to the x they're not going to know what this world is at all so when you're writing this this first season especially keep in mind that you're not writing this for the people that will get all the references you got to make the stories compelling for somebody that is brand new to this it helped expand the group of people that are, suddenly became interested in comics and we were pleased to do that but we were just thrilled a to start with such a nice great property that people were already fond of and then just take it to a new medium and that was and that was it was a challenge I mean, it's it's a very different way to write. Like talking, Len Wein worked for us, and he's one of the few comic book writers that has made the transition to TV. And he'll tell you the first thing that you got to do is you got to write for the medium. And it's we don't have thought bubbles, we don't have narration, we don't have all these things that happen in comics. It's speeding along in real time, and in a comic you can pause and and get a sense of what all the people are thinking and feeling, and you get a sense of all the design and how it's moving forward on TV. So it was it was a, a different way of thinking. From comic book writing.
3: Well, you say you know you wrote specific for that medium. I think you gapped that bridge between new yeah. and old. Because, like I said, I was reading it before, and everything I saw in the cartoon yeah. was everything I wanted. Yeah. Oh, you know what I mean? Great.
1: It was great.
0: perfect. Terribly flattering. That's, that's,
1: that's, that's wonderful to hear because there it, it is a challenge. And if you just look at it at first, if you're used to writing, it's like uh, a book or a play. If you're used to writing for plays and it's dialogue and people moving in, in space and you're looking at a, at a book, it's just it doesn't necessarily it's steady it doesn't necessarily translate in your mind and we were lucky that we had a mixture about half of us were fairly new to the X-Men and were not big comic book guys but were really into screenwriting and really into heroic stories and then there's this other half of the group mostly the animators and artists and designers that knew the X-Men backwards and forwards so they were careful to make sure everything was in canon and we were careful to make sure everything was like heroic and exciting and visual and the two came together and we complimented each other and we realized we needed the other one. But it was it was a mixture of two different kinds of people to, to make it work.
0: Given the history of the X-Men, when you got the call to go in for the meeting and get it started in 1992, you have 30, 35 years of different variations.
1: And there's three or four book series going at once at with one. different yeah. group, with different people on each one. Yes. It yeah. gave us a little freedom. There wasn't just one set X-Men history. There were variations. And so the, Marvel told us, just be true to the characters. Don't worry about if, if you've remembered a bit of the history wrong or if you're, if you're putting new stuff that we had something different in. As long as you're true to the essence of the characters, we don't care. We just want you to make something that works.
0: And just looking at the histories, it's well, it, will the X Men be about four teenagers who are kind of angsty and concerned, which was the very beginning with, with Professor Xavier, yeah. or will this be them stronger and bigger and older, and but it's fighting the bad villain of the week, or will it be what it became, which is more the rights, you know, ultimate underlying more adult, more mature story opportunities there.
2: That was a very interesting direction because the X Men anime series was a very mature. Uh, <laughs> Adult, a little little darker in, in a lot of the themes. And for whatever reason, I mean, I was, you know, um, I forget how old I was, I was 12 years old, and i have watched it with kids that were younger than me that were watching it, and we're just following along as if it, this were, you know, uh, a Saturday morning cartoon, which it was. It was a Saturday morning cartoon with very adult themes.
1: A lot of times on the various shows we've worked on, we try to, to tell executives, because executives tend to want to be safe and they tend to want to go towards where the merchandise is going and which is, which is become younger and younger and younger and we try to tell them look every eight-year-old is gonna be curious about what his 13 year old brother is watching the 13 year old brother is not going to be curious about something that's focused only for an eight-year-old mm-hmm. and so we said we we like writing old we like writing much more sophisticated stuff we like having the kids only get about half of it and then when they watch it five years later get another portion of it you can imagine from the writers and artists point of view we were all in the business for all for years and years Wanting to do sophisticated stuff like this, and then Fox says, "Do it, push it, make it as you know, make it as tough and sophisticated as you want." And so everybody on the crew is saying, "Yeah, we're going to do that, and we're and we're going to make sure it works."
3: One of the things you guys did, I mean, for a Saturday morning cartoon, really early on, you guys killed more. Uh, you know what I mean? That was that was bold. He came back though. Yeah, he came yeah. Back oh. comic book tradition. Yeah. But,
1: yeah, we, we didn't mean it to. That was in our first discussion with the network, the head writer, Mark Edens and I, because Mark was responsible for doing the pilot with me, we said, we got to kill somebody. That was just the beginning of it. Someone has to die so that, so that the audience knows there are repercussions to being an X-Men, that there are responsibilities, that there's there's loss if you're an X-Men. So we said, okay, who do we pick? And we talked to the network, and they were you're saying... You're sounding oh, a tad casual now. Yeah. No, no it was the, a serious yeah, discussion. yeah, right guy. But the network at first said, oh my God, we can't do this. You can't kill people on Saturday morning. And then they came around.
0: And broadcast standards and practices were like, huh? Uh, wait, 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 this is kids' Saturday morning. Luckily,
1: our executives above us were saying, yeah, yeah, do it, do it. So we pushed it. We said, okay, they'll let us do it. In typical form, you know, I don't know the books that well. I'm just going through a Marvel Universe history or talking to some of the people at Marvel. We always wanted to use someone from the books when we could, even for a guest or for someone that's going to be on for... Five minutes. Who has sacrificed himself for the sake of the X-Men in the 30 years history of the book? Not very many. Well, one was called Changeling. See, (laughs) that's one of the things I always wonder. Yeah, and so in the pilot, in the script, if you get a copy of the script, it's written Changeling. And so we put him on there specifically to be killed early in episode two, in the the middle of the the first story. And he he was—he's like the red shirt guy in Star Trek. He's brought on so (laughs) that, that, but but then of course you thought, okay, to make this work well. We want to make him as likable, and we want to make him somebody Wolverine loves. Sure. So we want to make the grief of the X-Men the big deal. And so we made him too lovable. Uh. And so when, okay, we're done writing the first season. We're waiting like four or five months to see if they pick it up because there's no contract for a second season. And then it shows, and it's a huge number one hit. And we're six, like February 93, we're like six episodes in. They do a test with kids and ask, well, who's your favorite character? And six episodes in, it was Morph.
2: He scored high. really.
1: He scored <laughs> higher above everybody. Wolverine Wolverine, everybody. Amazing. And and it's, maybe it's because Wolverine loved him. He's Wolverine's best friend. That's,
0: that's my theory that we that people fell in love with him because
1: Wolverine loved so him. So we're we're writing yeah. the second we're we're starting to write the second season. <laughs> we get a call from the network said, so guys, we're sorry. We know it meant the world to you to kill off Morph and that we said we'd let you do it but could you bring him back? Uh, I, and we really didn't want to, but they said, okay, we get it. He's, 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 he saw fans, so the fans brought him back.
0: So for the that's record, wow. he was supposed to stay dead. Stay dead. He, was, he gonna, was supposed to stay dead. And he was Changeling until...
1: Oh, until, yeah, until, <laughs> until, the, until the attorneys got it, and they said, wait a minute, there's a DC there's character. But a DC
0: character, yeah. But he,
1: right. and, I, and I looked it up, and I said, but it was written two years after. Uh-huh. Yeah. The Marvel one, so there shouldn't be... A and then they said, look, we're not going to take the chance. We don't want the fight. We don't want the fight, so you can use the character but you got to rename him, and that's why Ta-da. I just, I, I, you
3: literally answered like something I've always wanted. Th- that's why we <laughs> named, named him more. more. It was, and changeling. There was
1: changeling. It was changeling the whole and time. And you were right. You, you were right.
3: right. Yep, I, I did
2: always wonder that because the, the first season felt very, very contained. Yeah. It, it almost felt like uh, if the X Men didn't continue, the animated series didn't continue. The first season was the the story, right. beginning to end, and then they brought you guys brought back more. Of the, so that that definitely answered my question yeah. why you yeah. guys brought him back. And yeah.
0: back in that day, as Eric was saying, no one knew if the show would last more than thirteen episodes. A lot mm-hmm. of shows don't go in children's right. TV animation longer and, than thirteen episodes. And Marvel episodes.
1: shows and Marvel shows <laughs> hadn't worked. No Marvel that show had. Well. But
0: but so at the end of the first thirteen. Bye. Everyone's All the contract was were finished. We no went one, off and
1: worked on other, on other shows.
0: Everyone was thinking freelance. Thinking it might be dead. No yeah. one was held over for the next season like the old days of football. Johnny Unitas goes to work in the steel mills because <laughs> he doesn't have a year-long contract.
1: Go back, go back to the steel mills. Yeah, go back. Yeah. So, yeah. so we worked on a show called Exo Squad for Universal. Mm-hmm. And the, both the Edens brothers who had done most of the writing in the first season and, and I and Will Minio who had designed it. And so we're doing that and then we're mostly done with writing the first season into that we find out X-Men's been picked up I had made it so that I was only in that for the one season so I could I could walk away but they had to stay so I lost my two top writers like oh, wow. about about a month into the second season they helped lay out the episode those guys and I like laid them out before we handed them off to the writers you know created the you know the arc but they really couldn't participate that much in the second season script writing because they were doing their own show
2: how difficult was it to manage um, how I'm picturing it in my head is we had you know you guys that were creating the show, and then you had Fox Studios, yeah. and then you had Marvel Studios or Marvel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you had this kind of this trifecta. How hard was it to maintain creative control without all the, you know, the different uh, directions tr- you're trying to be pushed in?
0: Well, in a way, um, we keep saying this. All credit goes to a woman named Margaret Lesh, who had been working at Marvel for what ten years, a number of years, as you know, at, been, at all, Marvel, Marvel Productions, Mar- the
1: TV production yeah. side of things. Before she got hired at Fox, Fox at, in 1993 to run Fox Kids. She'd been pitching it with Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. Want well, anybody put the X-Men on the air? Everybody's saying, no, no, no. The second chapter of the book is her telling about her eight years trying to get it on the air and being mm-hmm. told nobody will watch it. It was basically her baby and she kind of had the whip hand on everybody, on all these groups. Okay, Marvel could tell us, well, look, this is so out of character for Wolverine. We really don't want you to put this in the show. They're basically this tiny company and almost in bankruptcy at this point. They don't know how to do TV shows. They don't pretend to. They're a very good part in that way they just let us work and at, they're in New York and they're, they're 3,000 <laughs> miles away and it, it's it's pre-web so if they wanted to get something to us they had to xerox it and mail it oh, geez. You know, so it was really slow communications but they were just supportive and we give notes about this is true to Marvel or it isn't mm-hmm. they didn't have the time to say well you know if we were telling the stories we'd restructure yeah. your story this way so they were just being good protectors of the details mm-hmm. Saban Entertainment who had a production hand in it they just wanted to do it as cheaply as it could so they didn't give us any, any creative notes so uh, then Braz Entertainment who was doing the actual artwork and pre-production and sending it overseas they were just wanting to make sure my god let's get this done on schedule because it's we're starting two months behind so they all had their priorities mm-hmm. the people that really we had the uh, to satisfy creatively besides ourselves were just was Fox it was their show and Sydney. I want her, thank God. Margaret was oh, was the president, Sydney was the field general. He micromanaged and, and in a good way, he fanatically worked with us on X-Men, he supervised Batman, he supervised The Tick, he supervised Spider-Man, he supervised, supervised Beetlejuice where I've worked with him the sure. year before. He read Oops. every word, listened Pirate. to every line of dialogue, looked at every panel of storyboard, so he was the guy that I would get creative notes from other people. You know, Marvel might have an idea or two, but basically I was able to tell them, you know, that doesn't work for us. With Sydney, with with Fox, it was I've got to make him understand why this is the best way to do this scene. So that it was really it ended up being one person.
2: That's a lot lighter than I thought it would be. It makes yeah, sense with Marvel
1: being on the East Coast, they just yeah. they just were were had their fingers crossed that we'd do it right. And well, Bob Har- Bob Harris <laughs> Bob Harris was doing the books at that time. He was our first creative connect. He's wonderful. He's now the uh, editor in chief at DC. Yeah. But at the time, he was running all the X Men books, and he was the one that gave me all the notes where I'd ask the questions. We did have one meeting in New York where we all went out there between the second and third seasons before we did the Phoenix and the Dark Phoenix. Yeah. And we walked through the Phoenix and the Dark Phoenix with him, and I've got a bunch of notes on them because this was really important to, the, to Marvel. But all the other stories, we just, we'd pick them, and, and we'd send the ones we wanted to do, you know, two sentences on them, and we'd hear back and say, oh, no, 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 you can't do that, or uh, we, we'd get some reaction. But once we decided, we'd, we'd come up with the stories, and then once we decided that they all would fit within the Marvel Universe, we just ran with them.
2: Now, I, I do have uh, uh, one criticism, and I always wondered, with all the amazing characters that the X-Men have, why did none of the X-Men stay when you guys introduced, like, a you know, Colossus, Angel, Iceman, that they would come and leave at the end of the
1: episode. We were thinking of it, and the network was as well, we're thinking of it in terms of of a television show like Cheers or Modern Family or whatever. Uh First of all, to us, it was really crowded, trying to service all those people just from the start, and the guest characters and Mm -hmm. the villains. So the question from us writing was, well, boy, can't we get maybe couldn't we get rid of a couple of three of these so there there aren't eight or nine people to service you'll find in some episodes we only see two or three of the X-Men yes. and we did it on purpose to answer your question they thought of we need to pick the core group and if, even if the show lasts ten years just to keep with them mm-hmm. but an interesting twist, we were planning on wrapping it up at 65 episodes and losing four... Secret news here. Secret news. Wow. Losing four of the X-Men and bringing four new people in. Oh, wow. As wow. And we thought we were going to end the series at episode 65. We wrote up that Access of Time mm-hmm. episode, which Mark Eden did the story for it, uncredited. And so we built up this whole thing to get rid of Jean Grey and Scott and Professor X and Storm I think four people wow got, and bring in people. that made the leadership that and, yeah, and bring in Archangel and Bishop from the future and cool. Shard from the future and one other oh, person oh, who I can't oh, remember. That's why Bishop was the lead in that in, in that episode, because mm-hmm. he and his sister were getting a part of the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And then we've written all the scripts, and we're ready to go. And that's how the series would end. Would end, instead of the farewell. End. And then we get called. say, oh, by the way, we decided to do 11 more, so you can't lose these four, and you can't add these <laughs> four. So, I re- so rewrite it all, and even though you've all set it up to lose these guys, they're not going to leave. So it's not going to make much sense. <laughs> sorry, sorry we don't have time to change it. <laughs> So that, that was the plan. We was going to oh. lose, lose four and gain four as we said goodbye.
3: That would have been an interesting twist. Yeah, that would have been a huge but twist. But then I would have wanted
0: more, right? Yeah. I would yeah. have been like,
1: that would have been now n- I need
3: to know what happens next.
1: That would have been <laughs> nasty. Well, it would have been up to that. Well, wish-
0: that would have been great for the next season. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and that was a weird thing with us. With Batman, for instance, because we've got lots of friends on Batman. That's a Warner Brothers DC thing, and it's one—it's it, in-house. Yep. they're a big studio. Yep, they can just do as many series as they want, and stop them when they want, start when they want. This little group of four companies was thrown together. Was like kind of a making something in your garage kind mm-hmm. of deal. Right. And as soon as it fell apart, Marvel was going bankrupt. They'd sold the rights of the X-Men off to Fox. Mm-hmm. They sold Spider-Man to Columbia Sony. Yeah. Everybody was in disarray. There was nobody as soon as we were done to say, well, let's do another series. Let's do a twist on it. Let's sure. yeah. do a new team. Everybody just left and stopped. You know, still, what, like, number one in the ratings, but they just said, okay, we can make money replaying 76 of them. We're done.
0: One little sort of side note folks may not know about but but Margaret Lesh had been working tirelessly to get anyone to make X-Men and, and then X-Men animated series it did well for itself as head of Fox Kids she was taking this information to Marvel and Fox saying you need to make a movie this property lends itself to a movie and, I think and, and, you guys uh, need to make a movie nah, I, don't know. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know couldn't get any interest couldn't get any excitement but she kept pressing and she kept pushing and finally they started looking at it and that's why the series of films are today because yeah, Margaret they're, they're, they're Lesh was confident pushing. in the material yeah. They,
1: they consulted with the guys, right? They, they I mean, they um, would have. Had. We, well, <laughs> in, in Hollywood, um, things are very segmented. We've been in that position where you know we, we wondered, uh, guys, we know those characters pretty well. Yeah. You want us to to, to do a, to a script for you? The one thing we did is Will Minio, who supervising producer, really fought all the political battles the first year to make sure this show was what it ended up being. He and I got asked. By the Fox people who made the movie a couple months before the movie went into production. Well, we've got a script here, and we're we're not quite sure if it's working. And we read it; and it was really it was pretty awful. But no, they they asked you. Yeah, they asked it. us. They did and ask your so input on that We each point. gave them like five single space pages of notes about why we didn't feel like an expense script to us, and things we do to, to fix it to, to fix it. And you know, we maybe got a thank you, but that was, but but that was that was it. Because in, in Hollywood, they're risking a hundred million dollars on a movie. Maybe no executive is going to hire TV. Sure, guy sure, or a cartoon yeah. guy to write a script that if it if it if it succeeds nobody there's no problem it fails they'll look at him and say why the hell did you hire the guy yeah so they'll hire an A-list movie guy that doesn't know the characters but then he's got his ass is covered well he's won a couple Oscars you yeah. know he's he's had they, six, they have it a it formula yeah yeah it yeah. does
2: it translate but they they have a formula that they go by yeah. oh
0: but the fellow who worked on the X-Men script we we got to meet him later and I was thrilled with the results of the film as it came out because we'd seen the original script and that mm-hmm. was Rob and David Hader Yeah. And he shared with us that they didn't really go back and read the books, they went back and watched the show. And
1: watched the show. And yeah. that's where they yeah. that's <laughs> their yeah. research. He said, yeah, Brian Singer just, just had that show off go in the background the whole time. He said he never picked up a comic book. So they went to that's one reason the, the team is so similar in the book is that he he did that.
0: Right, and, and Fox with the films could have picked any team they wanted to or could have gone in any direction they did. But again they They went with
1: it
2: very similar They team. went. Right,
0: very similar team to the one that was chosen for the animated series.
4: It's
3: so odd that they would go with a team that's similar to the animated series. You guys had a huge success. But then they they wouldn't use you guys for writing. Well, you know, what I mean, Hollywood, has a, how that works. Yeah, Hollywood no. has a formula. I understand how that works. Hollywood has a formula. And yeah, that's how I always
4: figured. Yeah.
1: out. There's been some stuff, stuff that's been wonderful. I mean, if we could imagine working with Patrick Stewart or with some of the people that, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just they, some stuff they did just wonderfully. That they, you know, there've been some terrible adaptations of things in the past. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, I remember. I don't know if we're supposed to be saying this because it was it was. Uh, say it, say it. it, it. Yeah, <laughs> we, we had to, we we had to go in and and look under cover of darkness, but one of the people in the process of getting from the, 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 the bad script we saw and give notes on till, to the solid script they ended up with for the first movie, was Joss Whedon did a pass. Oh wow, really. And I went in and again, under lock guard, read it and it just it was wonderful. And I just I they asked me, okay, you had all these notes on the first one that it wasn't working, right? I was what each I, I wouldn't change the word, it works great to me. Yeah. And so it was he did a really sharp pass on it. They ended up probably using some stuff out of that. Um, he didn't get any credit. He did a beautiful pass sure. on the
2: story.
5: Sure.
2: I think that's the one thing that that Marvel Studios now and Disney have figured out to give creative control to the people that are the creative types, as yeah. as opposed to the you know the executives and the old formula that we're talking <laughs> yeah, about, yeah. and, and I also I also want to say no. I think that's the reason that you see the the Warner Brothers, uh, DC movies sort of struggling a bit. So yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. it's it's
1: hard make it's really hard making a, a good movie or a good TV series, but having one after the other after the other at least be so the so the fans have something good to argue about, yeah. versus, yeah. versus yeah. just something to just dismiss. I,
2: and they're all very different I mean yeah. we're going from a sci-fi fantasy space opera to a you know World War two timepiece to uh, I mean they're, they're Norse mythology, Norse mythology mm-hmm. fantasy uh, magic I mean these are all very different movies and, and they're hitting on all cylinders. they, doing really they well. are
1: Marvel comics hit in the early 60s they had early 60s through 2000 to come up with a decent movie and they never did yeah. nobody yeah. figured out how to do it and so Julie always I just nice about it. She she gives us credit well. If we, if we hadn't done been in the TV show series, they wouldn't have thought to do it. I will
0: always call it the bridge. They have the great source material of all the comics, and they have these billion dollar movies. But if it weren't for X Men the animated series, I will take that to the grave. That that's the bridge in between that made oh, the absolutely. other stuff happen. And
2: I mean, if, if we're talking about sort of that that creative control and uh, being true to the original content, I mean, you have to go back to X Men the animated series and point at that and say that that's how you do it. They you guys stay true to the original content Uh, you appease new fans old fans uh, adult fans young fans I mean it's still in the lexicon I mean when you ask me what my favorite team is I mean I start naming off characters and I realize it's the animated series team that's it that's my favorite
3: team of heroes and they weren't even
2: an actual team in the comics no right yeah right it's amazing
3: what's funny is we, we were talking on the podcast earlier he and I when we read the oh. X-Men comics, oh. The Voices. You guys are
2: 100% on the money with The Voices. Rogue, That I don't know the <laughs> voice actress of Rogue, but she is, has to be one of my favorite voice actresses of all time. She is on
6: point. You look nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs.
1: Get this. She's a legislator. She's a state senator from Nova Scotia. She's Canadian. She writes she writes <laughs> they're all Canadian and they and they and she writes laws for Canada.
0: So Lenore Zahn is serving Canada in the Wow, <laughs> She and,
1: does an awesome southern bank. Yeah, Her and, voice and, cracks and everything
2: exactly,
4: at the right moment. Exactly.
1: And, and and she, she I mean, says I mean, she says that, that she meets say. 38 year old legislators and they're talking over some sort of serious business for the country and then somehow it gets mentioned that she was rogue and they just like stop breathing yeah. they, they go weak in the knees and say um, 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 you don't understand uh uh I, I watched all your episodes they don't even have to go into that she just yeah. knows oh you, he was a teenager when the show was on he was, he was in love with me, I get it, and this is going to be a fun five minutes while he tries to recover.
0: Well, and also, uh, a, a quick story to the voices on X-Men, uh, for various financial reasons, it was going to be, uh, all the talent was going to come from Canada, and that's so that no one has to pay a residual, huh? but mm. so they go up there to, and, and Canada at the time was in the early 90s, it was really it was developing its own pool of talent, and they had a lot of people. But the first, Eric had written, we'd written some sides for the folks to record. They go up, they, they get these recordings, they come back, and it's like, oh, dear, this oh, is it, not going to work.
1: Was, it was Scooby-Doo talk.
0: What they had done really was, was they had found talent that was used to doing Watching, what, 80, Saturday 80's morning cartoons.
1: cartoons. And ha- and it hadn't been communicated to them somehow how seriously we wanted the show to play. And we just we I, we, I wasn't involved in recording, but I got the cassettes, and we just died. We thought, well, the show's dead.
0: It's a panic. It's, it's at a that over. Time.
1: It's over, and so. Sidney wander and Larry Houston is the producer director and a couple guys from Marvel they go up there and they spend a couple weeks getting a new cast.
0: And this is in Toronto now.
1: And and making sure they get the gravitas and the intensity and the seriousness of the characters and they come back and suddenly we got cassettes and we're picking, oh we got three good Professor X's, we got four good this and it, they were they, they were all getting it and, and it's, it, so it wasn't, it wasn't a lack of talent, it was just a lack of understanding how different we yeah. wanted the show to be.
0: And what, what Sydney's marching orders to everyone was well, Toronto is one of the largest theatrical communities Oh, the was A lot of,
1: Sha- lot, lot of Shakespeare. Oh, so that makes a lot, a so lot much sense. Yeah. So that was. And th- they knew each other from the theatre. Like, a lot of them were acting in Stratford, which is a, a. They have a Stratford up there near Toronto. And so they knew each other from that. And they were, uh, and they had that. That's why Beast can talk. Can, yes. can storm poetry storm. Every naturally time a storm without? Up a storm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A or deal.
7: storm mistress of the elements commands
6: you to release that child. Lighten up on the speeches, sugar.
1: Or Professor X and and Magneto, getting after each other and spouting ideals at each other. These are guys that are used to commanding a stage. Yes. So the,
0: Cal Dodd, the only voice for me of Wolverine, is himself a very talented jazz singer, and that's how he came into it. Was his, it, was, he, oh, a, voice.
1: it was his first gig as a voiceover guy. He'd done commercials and things, but his first gig as a voiceover actor. But he but if you want, uh, go go on caldodd.com. He's got a great CD of jazz classics. Send me to the moon. Wolverine Absolutely. singing like Wolverine Sinatra, Sinatra, and yeah. it's great. I and was he's good. That out. He's, he's very, very good at it. He's Barry made his, so his life at <laughs> it. Yeah, so but yeah, Cal.com.
2: Yeah. What, one thing. One thing. The uh, voice acting is done. It's one of the uh, unfortunate effects, is It's, it's, it's almost ruined future characters. Re- much respect to Halle Berry and the and the X Men movies, but. When I hear Halle Berry and I hear it playing Storm, I, that's not Storm, that's not yeah. what Storm sounds <laughs> With the exception of <laughs> Patrick Stewart, he, gives, yeah. he, he has a he, commanding presence. Yes. He does, he does.
0: <laughs> trying to find voice talent for these various characters, writing the sides, which are just the small bits that they would say as mm-hmm. a character. And then you had written a list of thinking about this character like XYZ, ABC, trying to, and for Professor X...
1: For, for Professor X, I think we put down Patrick Stewart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because but, but
0: Star Trek at the time. would eventually look for
1: him as Professor yeah. X. Yeah, but yeah, well, you know, Wolverine. <laughs> they found that note again. I'm like, I think
3: we got a good idea right yeah,
1: here. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, you know, we are wondering when they, they came back cartoony, I said, you know, we wrote down here for Wolverine, you know, Robert Mitchum, uh, Clint Eastwood, only darker and heavier. And we wrote all this very tough, nasty adult guy stuff. And it just, the, somehow they just read the words, okay, well, we'll get a tough guy, but but he'll be cartoony tough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and evidently, Cal went, went sit there up there and said, well, what, what's this guy like? And, and Sydney Sid, said, oh, he's kind of feral. Cal growled into the mic. And everybody in the booth, you know, everybody, all these people, waiting.
0: Yeah. we got him we found him yeah. the hair oh. on the back of their neck stood up and yeah. he, saw,
1: he got it yeah the same thing with Rogue with the, the moment just like one sentence in yeah. they ha- she had it
3: Oh, I, I
2: love Anna Paquin she's a great actress and everything but it's you know it's yeah. a tall order to play that southern belle for the, that.
0: Yeah. and, and I, that's not the Rogue I'm familiar with no, no exactly. you know. I,
1: I honestly think for all the cool stuff the movies have done and they've done cool stuff we could have never imagined or paid for, it, for it, <laughs> um, I don't think they've Dressed the women as well as we did in the show. No, you know, no, no, Storm, no, Thank you very much. Storm, <laughs> Storm, and Rogue. And you know, Jean Grey is it bad? That uh, that a- actress is really is really sh- is really sharp. And they've given her more story time, sure. but they haven't given Rogue much of any, or anything to do. And with, I mean, s- they haven't given Storm much Storm, of anything to yeah. do. And Rogue is so different, being so young. Um, as the uh, one of the actresses we interviewed for the book said, it's almost like they took. Uh, rogue uh, jubilee. and jubilee and, and, combined them yeah, and combined them into one it, character. They
3: made her Wolverine Psychic in the 1st
1: yeah. movie. Yeah. She's
3: no. literally Wolverine Psychic. Yeah.
1: So.
0: And looking at 1992 when this came out, it, it wasn't presented as this is ground-baking material people, but the strongest people on the team were women. Oh, women. Yeah. Yeah. It was an integrated yeah. cast, and that yeah. wasn't called out. It was just this is these are the X-Men, And this it, is the it wasn't team. a
2: question. I mean, as, as a child watching these cartoons, I never thought, oh, why are there so many girls on it? I just thought Rogue you. was this, one of the strongest characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Storm controlled the weather, so she was awesome, and Jean Grey was a tel- I mean, it was just... It, it is, it was what it was. They were just strong yeah. characters
0: for and our it, hitters. And it didn't take away from Wolverine and his strengths, or Cyclops and his strengths, or Beast and his... It was just, this is, it was true they all, quality.
1: They were all different, and I think they just, in that first, that for, the first couple movies, didn't quite know what to do with the women. Yeah. And so they just were a little bit of an adjunct. We, we have a, a, that's, it's not like we're in a soapbox or anything, but... In in Hollywood, in Hollywood, there tends to be in action in action shows. Well, you got to make sure to have all the guys, and then you know, maybe a token yeah girl. Yeah. Huge mistake. Yeah, yeah. huge
2: mistake. Yeah, because that, that's not how it is in in you know Well, obviously in the real world, War, but in comics as well, we, we there are plenty of strong yeah. female characters. And every time you hear some controversy about uh, them not you know putting out the female team member as a toy, yeah. or there's not enough toys on the shelves for these girls, it's they're really missing. Uh, the mark and missing an opportunity mm-hmm. there's yeah. a lot of potential yeah
3: and speaking of the strong female thing i noticed in the x-men NBA series you guys made the president of the united states a
0: woman yeah, yeah.
1: You, you caught that eh <laughs> yeah I mean, we, 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 we 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 thought we thought we were being prescient we, we thought uh, we, we was gonna God. you know but yeah. that's but and, and that was just a fun, you know, all sorts of fun things that we just, we did because we could for secondary, you know, for secondary stuff.
0: But that yeah. was, again, 1992. Here we are 25 years later. We still don't have that female president. Don't have, but Came close. But, yeah, yeah. Came close. Came very close. Yeah. But, you know, just in terms of presenting that info, just putting those ideas out there for folks. And yeah, possibility. just possibility. uh yeah. and, and, and letting it sort of just be in the background for younger people as they grew up watching this. You know, who knows how it how impactful it might be, but at least those ideas were offered. They were put out there. And dear Professor X was in a wheelchair that was never called out as this no, is a person yeah. who's differently able. This no. it's just he's Professor X, you know, he's, we
1: would have, have a crippled middle aged bald man as a lead character yeah. versus all the T V people, oh we need, you know, relatable characters. All the characters Someone need to be twelve. To you know, Sexier for the kids to yeah. watch. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So No yeah. you guys translated that very well because that that's sort of the yeah, the cornerstone of the X-Men is, is, is div- diversity and being different and, and, and living in that world and you guys casually introduce characters of different ethnicity, of different colors, of different races and... It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't the center point of this. Yeah. Thank you for that.
1: Yeah, and I remember, uh, given our age when we were little, what we geeked out on was the original Star Trek. Series. Star Trek. Yeah. And they and they and they did that very consciously. They just had this. It's a it's okay. the future, and so what the future is going to be is this bridge full yeah. of very different looking and sounding people. Mm-hmm. And they got a lot of pushback from the network, and there were there were mm-hmm. there were TV stations that wouldn't show it. Mm-hmm. that wouldn't show the show because of, it because was a mixed race because cast. Well, it's yeah. 1966. Give them, you know, credit for that. In the case of the X-Men, we just we picked, we sat down with Marvel and everybody, and picked the core team just so that people would complement each other, so that we wouldn't have three gruff guys. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd have all sorts of different people, and it started out being about half a dozen of the people you know. And just so you know, in the first notes, that first month we were working, Beast and Jean Grey and Professor X were not listed in in the group A.
2: Oh, no, really? They were listed
1: as secondary. And use him when you can. That's why we put Beast in jail. Yeah,
2: you guys had Beast in jail all season. Because we thought, well, you know, we'll
1: use him for two or three episodes that so that people will remember he's in jail. Yeah. But as we were writing the first thirteen, everybody wanted to write for Beast. Mm. Everybody realized that to tell the story of the X-Men, you needed Professor X and Gene. Sure. And it just, the writing forced us mm. to include them. And it wasn't a Marvel decision. It wasn't a Fox decision. It was the stories making us do it. Oh, that's very That's cool. cool. I, I noticed that too.
2: I noticed that um, uh, there was the episode, I think, with Colossus, where Colossus is in jail and they go to break him out. And they're like, oh, yeah, Beast is in here. He's <laughs> yeah. like, hey, guys.
1: <laughs> I'm
0: going to sit here and read my books. Yeah, I love that he was always upside pretty down. Upside down That's pretty
1: cool. Beautiful. No, no, I want my day in court. Come yeah. on.
0: And I love Very that noble. too. Very the, the, noble, the, the, yeah. The idea of civil disobedience yeah. and, yep. and, and make, making that conscious choice. I, I love that as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for talking with us, you guys. It's it's very awesome. Oh. Yes. So. Well, guys.
0: thank you too. This is, we really appreciate this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and look for the look for the book and, and you l- guys late have summer
0: a oh, book. Yes, Please, there is the, okay. ma- the <laughs> making the
1: making of. And if you want, if you look online, there's a place called Jacobs Brown Media. They're a, they're a publisher and they do a bunch of Star Trek books and Lost in Space, that sort of books uh-huh. on the making of the series. And so this is like our version of the making of Star Trek. It's about should be about a 400-page book, interviewing cast, crew, artists, writers, and giving a history of the making of the show. And we the the the, the schedule is to be published by the first of July. We'll and see. Hopefully, okay.
0: to get it out for the 25th anniversary season, which is what we're kind of <laughs> celebrating here now with X Men. Yeah.
1: So so and and you can we'll keep we'll keep you updated on our, our the website is uh, X Men tas.com T-A-S. T-A-S. and the, the uh, Twitter.
0: Twitter is X-Men T-A-S. So please follow us there. It, and, and
1: we'll keep we'll keep you we'll uh, updated on the book, but yeah, it should be sometime this summer. We're getting off to a quick start today. We
2: have writer James Hudnall. How are you doing today, James? Very good. Excellent. So, James, you got your start on, um, was it, Eclipse Comics, if I'm not yes. mistaken. You were uh, an editor with Eclipse Comics?
8: No, I was a marketing director. Marketing
2: director. And that's how you kind of got your foothold into the industry, right? Yeah, I
8: wanted to... Learn Learn how the business was, how to, how it worked, how to learn how to publish. I wanted to be a writer, but I wanted to understand how to make comics so I could do it myself. Sure. And, and what got you into writing? Well, I always have been a big reader. My dad says when I was a baby, if they, he could stop me from crying by putting a book in my hand. <laughs> and I learned to read before I went to kindergarten. I was always a big reader. I used to read like three or four books a week, mostly science fiction, but fantasy. But I um, I always wanted to be a writer. And it was my goal, but I didn't do it initially. I went off, joined the Air Force. When I got out of the Air Force, I went to Coleman College here in San Diego and Mm -hmm. became a programmer. But then I started going to conventions and meeting people and decided I wanted to transition to that. Yeah.
2: Okay. And and were you writing early on? Uh, Did you write stories or anything? Or did you not start writing until you decided that you wanted to actually become a writer?
8: I did write some stuff. Nothing major. Uh, The thing is, the keyboard, I mean, the typewriter used to drive me nuts because every time I did a typo, I would have to back, use white space and back up, and, and I hated it. I bought one of the first PCs when they came out, and that was about the beginning of my career anyways. Uh, so this, we're talking about the 80s.
2: Sure, and, and you got your start writing on Espers, right? Now, yes. It, now, was Espers a... Was that your series, or yes. was that a, a series that already existed?
8: It's a series I created, and it was inspired in part by... Because I was a big anime fan. Mm-hmm. Before there were anime fans, when there was just... <laughs> When anime fans were like, really like uh, an obscure subgenre, a lot of times we had to watch stuff in Japanese. So anyways, I was influenced by a lot of anime movies at the time that I liked. I was also influenced by comics, American comics, like the X-Men and stuff. But I wanted to do something that was like a realistic superhero thing, where they didn't wear costumes, where they were people from all walks of life. One of the problems they have with comics in general, superhero comics, is that especially there was a run there in the 80s and 90s where nobody in the story didn't wear a costume. Every yeah. Nobody was like a regular person. And that just drove me nuts because it's hard to relate to. I mean, yeah, if you're a fan, you can relate to it. But if you're not a fan, and I felt it was always important to try to reach people outside of comics. and try to do sure. a story that appeals to people outside of comics so that was my goal it's always been my goal really
2: you know it's funny because we uh, this over the last few weeks I've been watching the X-Men animated series for the you know the, the 25th anniversary and my son has been watching them with me and he pointed out that every mutant has a costume on regardless of what the scene is regardless if the scenes at a grocery store out in the city on a beach they're in full costume head to toe and he asked me why Why... Why, why are the mutants in costume? That drives me nuts. <laughs>
8: See, the thing is, when you look at the comics of the 60s when Marvel mm-hmm. took off, sure. you look at those early Spider-Mans, for example, about 30 to 40% of the story is about Peter Parker oh, yeah. and his life as a as a regular person sure. and how he's trying to live his normal life and his superhero life. Yeah, and make trying them, to balance everything. And that made the stories as popular as they've become mm-hmm. over time. I mean, people could relate to that. We should look at the real person. And, you know, it really got me later on is that in uh, comics they just editorially decided that there is no Bruce Wayne. He's Batman's yeah, alter ego. He's Batman's He's not, alter a, ego. He's not a person. Yeah. He's Batman. You know, that to me is ridiculous. <laughs> if you take away the normal human because the thing that appeals to Batman about a lot of people is that he's a regular person even though he's not, obviously. Yeah. But he's not super powered and people like the fact that he's not super powered yet he's able to do all this stuff.
2: Okay, so you got, you got your chops and aspers
8: and yeah... That did pretty well,
2: and you then went on to start working for the uh, the big companies. You got you started writing for Alpha Flight, which I, I got to tell you, Thomas is a huge <laughs> Alpha Flight fan, and probably the reason why you you were contacted. Well,
8: <laughs> my first initially. Um what happened is, I was friends with Brett Anderson, I still am, but Brad Anderson was artist on Strike More oratory for Marvel and he said, uh, Peter Gillis and I are leaving the book, and I go, wow do they have anybody lined up yet? And he goes, no not yet, because it, it was before they started looking, so he gave me Carl Potts' info and I contacted Sailed him, out. yeah, as a phone, I, on the phone and then I mailed him some of my espers and he was really impressed, so he gave me a job writing that book, and then he was also the editor of Alpha Flight, and he said that oh. Bill Mantlow was having trouble coming up with stories that he basically was asking Carl for ideas for stories. He just felt like Matlow was kind of burned out on it. So he invited me to, to take it over. So I did. So that's how I got on that book. And I wrote that for almost two years. And then Phoebe Nicenza took over. So you,
2: a, you wrote it for two, about two years, and it was mid-run, if I'm not mistaken. It was like in the 50s and yeah, 60s it was, already?
8: Yeah, yeah, no, it was 70. It started in the 70s. Okay. Basically, Byrne did it for a couple years, then Mantlo did it for a couple years. I had to clean up all of the storylines <laughs> that Mantlo had set up. I made the mistake... Which I now know in hindsight that because Al Moore, when he took over Swamp Thing, he did one issue where he just cleaned up everything, everybody, and then just started doing his thing.
3: Now that, that's that's a debate that we have um, quite a bit. Well, no, I, was, I was gonna I was gonna say I agree with you. You should have just come in, clean slated it, and then done it. Because what Mantlo brought in, I didn't enjoy. No,
8: like he, what he was what he, he was doing. He was flailing around. He didn't know what he was doing really. He just sort of I think he was either bored or something. But Carl said that he didn't have any ideas for the stories, and he was just asking Carl to give him ideas for stories. And, and I've that, always
3: felt that with Bill, he was good with doing stuff that has no continuity. ROM, Micronites, those were fine. But yeah. when he came on to Alpha Flight, the first thing he did was get rid of most of the original members and start introducing these brand new characters who have absolutely no background. So it felt like he was just getting rid of everyone so he could bring in his own little crew of characters and what do I, whatever he wanted.
8: What I was trying to do is bring it back to Burns' vision. Yes. <laughs> But because I'm a nice guy, I didn't want to just crap all over what Manlo had done. So right. I, I tried to tie it up in a nice way. And I took like six issues or something. And I shouldn't have done that. I know that now. I was trying to make sense of it all. But really, I didn't really relate to it at all. At all, yeah. But he had this character called the Dream Queen, which is basically a ripoff of Mephisto. She was sort of like Sandman, but it's before Sandman. But she's like an evil version of Sandman. And she um and she was basically, you could tell, she was modeled after all these different Marvel villains like Mep- Fisto, who's like supposed to be the devil. I just felt like they're just like the Joker. And a lot of these characters, they just laugh and they growl and they... They, they do say, something evil with no yeah, background. They're just not really... They don't have any dimension to them. I tried to give her a little bit of dimension, but... And I think that was a mistake I made. But the other thing is they hired me and they said, <laughs> we want you to make this like Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. First of all, that's the first non-code book that DC did. And Alpha Flight was a code book. And right. they were really strict in Marvel at that time. You couldn't use hell, the words "hell" or "damn" in the story. They, they wanted you to go dark and adult, but keep it for kids. But no adult or dark. Kids. Nobody, yeah. <laughs> I tried my best, but the other problem is, is I didn't have the artists I needed because. Uh, I wanted an artist that I'd work with early. I did try out issue with Hugh Haynes, uh, and it was like issue 76, I think. And that's the guy I wanted. I mean, Carl was great in, in giving new people their start, like Jim Lee and uh, Mike Mignola started under Carl Potts. He gave them their first oh, wow. jobs. Yeah. I worked with him, uh, Strikeforce force Moratoria. I worked with Mark was Bagley. awesome. Yeah, Mark Bagley. I wanted Mark Bagley to go to Alpha Flight. Oh, that
3: would have been amazing.
8: But he's, he wanted to put him on something else.
3: Probably New Warriors.
8: <laughs> yeah, I think so. The uh, The guy that he gave me, um, he was like, very influenced by Steve Rude, but he really wasn't there yet. And yeah, no he just uh, had an awkward way of drawing what I was talking about and it just I just didn't feel he was right for that particular storyline I yeah, normally I talk to my artist but I did talk to him a few times but um, I don't know I just didn't we just didn't gel properly and, and then DC gave me some work too, so I worked at DC for a while. What, what did you do with DC? I did Lex Luthor the Unauthorized Biography. It's basically the story of Lex Luthor. I'm more of a DC fan than a Marvel fan. I always loved Lex Luthor the character. I like the idea of doing a story about Lex Luthor that was a crime story that had no superheroes in it. A lot of times, the writers in comics they just they'll put Lex Luthor in a story, but they'll make him do stupid things. Uh-huh. I wanted to show that he's he's supposed to be a genius, a serious a <laughs> yeah. serious threat to Superman, but yeah. he has no powers. And the only way to do that is to show why that is. So that's what my whole story was. And for some reason, though, Marvel, I mean, DC decided not to keep it in print. I don't know why. I did that. I did a book called Streets for them. I did the first creator own book for DC, which was called The Psycho. I did that with Dan Bererton. We've been trying to get a movie made of that for a while. It was picked up by Universal for a while. And we still got it in production, but we don't have a a studio yet. But we've got writers and everything.
3: Speaking of getting stuff into other media, didn't you have a story that got picked up by X-Files or something yes, it like was, that?
8: Yes, uh, it was called Harsh Realm, and it's yeah. a, it's a s- series they did for Paris Comics. It was picked up as a series by Chris Carter, but I ended up having to sue him because here's the thing. My agent contacted me, and uh, he said there's two producers that are interested in doing Harsh Realm. And, and he says, which one do you want to go with? And I said, who are they? And he goes, Chris Carter and James Cameron.
3: Oh,
8: wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, huh? and i decided to go with carter because carter was making shows and cameron just sits on things he buys things right. like he's supposedly finally getting around to battle angel alita which he's bought like in the like in 1990 oh, wow. he still hasn't made it so and he had a tendency of just taking forever to get around to projects so i wanted to see something get done sure. and carter was doing x-files and millennium at that time so yeah i said go ahead with him well he was a d- I mean, he basically, he didn't want to talk to me or the artist. And he changed the story dramatically from the future to the present. Mine was about an artificial reality. Basically, it's about a detective looking for somebody who went into this artificial pocket universe, which is in this future that supercomputers can generate these pocket universes where they have a fleshed out world with people and everything. It's all computer generated but so the whole story is a commentary on video games how like
9: mmos basically
8: so it's about how this teenager goes in there and likes it so much that killing people that he becomes like super powerful like a super, super villain basically in this right. world and then he didn't want to give us credit on the tv show that's what i heard yeah so i had to sue we had to sue him for that <laughs> but what i found the deal that i made with the the comic publisher i never thought it would ever get made because it was so far out that i thought nobody's ever going to make this yeah. and i just you know i just signed this contract but what i found is you have to insist in every contract you sign for a creative thing that there's a clause that says if anyone makes this into a film or anything else that you get credit yeah if you don't have that in there they cannot give you credit now normally most people would give you credit anyways because they know the value of doing that we did get a settlement and everything and i do have credit on the show now it's okay. available on dvd yeah cool. And we have credit on every episode. So, so before we started recording, we were talking
2: about uh, we we're talking about video games. Actually,
8: have you ever considered writing for video games? I've always or... wanted to do that, but I just never knew who to do talk Go to. to, to about I've always been a gamer. Mm-hmm. Really, like, from ancient times, in the early days, gaming games had horrible writing. I never pursued it that much. I did pursue it as a programmer, because I'm a programmer also, but um, I just never got the opportunity, and I would have loved to, because I could have done some great stuff, I think. But, I,
2: I think the writing's really come around. I mean, yeah, you have games like uh, Knights of the Old Republic, and uh, Mass Effect, rich writing I wouldn't say writing, Mass Effect was <laughs> No? You don't uh, like Mass well, Effect?
8: No, I like it, but the ending <laughs> of the third one was oh. so bad. It's got to be the worst ending ever. No. no,
3: everyone argues that's a, about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't mind the end for Mass Effect 3. I was one of the well, people I just, who... Well, I
2: just thought it was weak. The Witcher 3, though, that that's... Because that's...
8: the writing, first of all, it's the game I've always dreamed about mm-hmm. since I've been playing games. I mean, this is how real it is. If you go to different places in the game, the quality of light in the sky is different. That's the way it is in the world. If you live here, it's one thing, but if you go to England, it's quality overcast, of light is totally yeah. different. Well, it's and actually that...
3: overcast both right now. <laughs>
8: yeah. They got so many details down to the most finite level in that game. It blows away oh. anything, <laughs> scene. but what's really amazing is they gave first they gave you all these dlcs that uh costumes and and missions and stuff they just gave them to the you for free they have the two dlc games that they added on as big or bigger than a lot of games are oh wow they're like you know 30 hours of gameplay oh, wow. up a dlc yeah yeah we don't have, have to check it out so you are
2: currently working on a, no- a series of novels at the moment the first one came out in 2013 right right and the, the second one was later come out in 2015. That one, did that one get uh, published?
8: No, because I lost my leg. If you lose your leg, you're kind of gloomy for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet. So I'm getting See. back into it now. Um, yeah, Hell's Reward is the first book, and Heaven's War is the second book in the series. I also have another series that I'm working on, which is called The Secret Team. It's my take on superheroes. It's in novels, though. Uh, and the first book is called Diogenes. So I've been writing that in Heaven's War. This week, I, have, I wanted to get out before the con, but I didn't get it out in time. But um, coming out this week on Amazon, you'll be able to buy uh, Two of the Chest, which is a comic series I did. So the graphic novel collection is coming out. And that's a crime fiction kind of story I did. So that's coming out this week. Oh, how many how many issues did you get into that series? Five. But at it's open for more. It's a story that I've always wanted, I wanted to do. And I like crime fiction. I did, you know, for example, I did Streets, which is the first crime fiction series that DC did. Crime fiction is a different thing. It's about people in in a criminal world and dealing with it's more about human nature and, and that sort of thing. Where can folks find uh, your work? Yes, uh, you can go to my website, jameshudnell.com or 410media, which is my publishing company. 4-F-O-R-T-A-N M-E-D-I-A dot com.
2: Excellent. And that's jameshudnell, J-A-M-E-S H-U-D-N-A-L-L dot com. Thank you very much for
10: chatting with us, James. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. All right.
2: It was nice. Thank to you, see. you very much, very man. Cool. What's your what's your title with the uh, San Diego Comic Fest, man?
10: I am chairman of San Diego Comic Fest, president of Littlefish Comic Book Studio, and the world's youngest comic book historian. The world's youngest comic book historian? No mm-hmm. way! Yes.
2: How long have you been uh, doing the comic book history stuff?
10: I started doing the comic book history thing in a. Uh, I started pursuing it around two thousand nine uh, when I realized it's like, wait, you can actually make a you can make a career about talking about the history of comic books and how it impacts society, and you just be versed on all this geek culture stuff I'm like wow that sounds amazing and and people will listen to you (laughs) and people will actually (laughs) listen to me I can't believe that I mean I really can't believe it either but here I am eight years later and I'm doing it doing it what did you grow up reading? well the thing is, you know, I started off reading comics, but you know, my favorite toys at the time were Lego pirates, and I got this Lego pirate set that had a comic book included with mm-hmm. it, and I was like, oh wow, and I was like, mom, read this to me, mom, read this to me, and I'd be like, and she got tired of that like, you know, fifteen times a day, but then she finally oh, she says, okay, we are gonna get you hooked on phonics, and we are gonna teach you how to read, so you can stop bugging me for this. These little white balloons above the characters, they now had meaning. And so I learned to read from that. And so, wow, like, my dad was actually impressed. He's like, my son is reading now just from this Lego pirate book. And so that year was 1992, and he decides, well, let's go get you some more books now that you're reading. And I remember walking into Toys R Us and just seeing all of a sudden this shiny hologram cover. And there was a character on it. His name was Spider-Man. I remember being able to read that. And of course, if you were like me, you were really suckered in by those hologram covers of the early 1990s. And I learned to read those Spider-Man issues until they were just falling apart. So I became a hardcore Spider-Man fan just from that time there. And so yeah, I grew up reading Spider-Man. He was my guy.
4: Yeah,
2: Thomas and I uh, constantly talk about the gimmicky covers from the 90s with the holograms and the prism covers. But they were were actually really good drawing people's attention and people bought those and they were really good sellers
10: and you know i you know have grown to encompass all things comics cartoons and animations and you know here i am it's just and it's wonderful it's steeped in the culture huh? mm-hmm. so okay so this
2: is the fifth uh annual san diego comic fest and mm-hmm. this is the first year we have it at this location is that correct
10: yes it's the first year at the uh, four point sheraton hotel and so it's so much better than it was in these past years i really like this location just because we have grown and evolved and Now that we've, you know, but sometimes you grow too big for your big boy pants (laughs) and you just got to, you know, move up into new things. So we've appreciated the time at the town and country, but now we've moved to a new location. And I think it suits us better for what we're going for in this convention.
2: I like it so far. I mean, we just got here. Thomas and I literally just pulled up, sat down and it's very impressive. It's a very nice layout. The traffic seems to be flowing really well and we're excited for uh, the panels today. So what what, what kind of uh, panels can we be expecting this weekend?
10: What kind of panels can we be expecting mm-hmm. this weekend? Well, we have the 25th anniversary of the X-Men cartoons yes. with the creators Eric and Julia Lewald. Uh, they I just met them last night and they were just a delight. Just still so passionate about their work. Uh, other panels that we have, we have the Jack Kirby Centennial, which is we are celebrating oh, nice. the 100th birthday of the King of Comics. And so we have several panels about him, the Silver Age of Comic Art, and several people who spent their careers working with Jack. Talk about the creator who's had such a significant impact on this medium. It's just a wonderful opportunity. And the fact that we get to be the guys kicking off Jack's 100th, that's even cool. before the other conventions, I mean, that's a, that's quite an honor.
2: Yeah, that's very cool. That's very cool. we have any art galleries or anything opening up this weekend?
10: Well, in terms of art galleries, we are going to be doing a panel on the San Diego Comic Art Gallery with, uh, with the manager. TJ Shevlin, and it is going to be hosted by me. We are also nice. going to have local comic art collector Steve Hendricks talking about his collection of Archie comics that is now on display there. So he's been collecting Archie Archie material for about forty years now, and so now oh, wow. that he uh, now he has a has a proper way to display it because I mean, what good is a whole bunch of art if you're just keeping it in a binder for yourself? Put that up on the walls and share it with the world. Yeah, exactly.
2: So. You being a comic historian, do you have any panel?
10: Yes, I will be giving a couple presentations. I will be doing one tomorrow morning where we talk about um, the marketing and just collections of fandoms and stuff like that. That's at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning, so we're going to be talking about how to market fandoms and how to make you know collections out of them.
2: Okay, And, and how's the culture here in San Diego as far as uh, pop culture and comics, sci-fi?
10: San Diego has the absolute best fandom culture in the entire world. Now, the thing is, because you know we celebrate these games, geeky fandoms and geeky fandoms when you do this geeky stuff you're doing it very isolated you read comics alone yeah. you watch movies alone yeah. and i mean you draw art alone but mm-hmm. and then we have this you know big wonderful san diego comic con <laughs> that we have every summer and everyone comes out of their yeah, nerd case brings sport, everybody out of but the then shadows. they all leave away <laughs> and so that just pains me because you know the first thing i do when i'm done with a great story mm. you know what I really wish I could talk about that with someone. Yeah. Like with Littlefish Comic Book Studio and mm-hmm. IDW Publishing and the San Diego Comic Art Gallery and all of these, you know, wonderful, wonderful groups that can help cultivate these fandoms and help just move things forward and get people into their shared interests and just have a wonderful time. That's really what I love. Sure.
2: Have you ever do you ever consider bringing maybe in some of the uh, the breweries or the tabletop communities in on this?
10: Oh yeah, it's like you know we've uh, talked to a couple of breweries and so in the coming years we've. We'll uh, be uh, bringing in some more folks uh, to, you know, be helping out with that. So I can't say anything just yet, but you no know, problem. keep your eyes and uh, taste buds peeled for the uh, yeah. for the next year. <laughs> and I'm just so happy and pleased with how everything has uh, has progressed forward, and it's going to be getting bigger and better, and only can, we can only go up from here. That's very cool. Very cool. Okay, so where can folks find? Uh, your work Matt where can you find my work Well, or where can, can they find you oh where can you find me yeah. oh yeah sure well you can always just add me on Facebook Matt Dunford M-A-T-T D-U-N-F-O-R-D uh, yeah add me on Facebook add me on Instagram I don't really use Twitter all that often just because I get hacked by porn bots but so that's, <laughs> it
2: happens to the best of us <laughs> it happens to the best of us <laughs> Yeah, get y- them back. That's the that's.
10: Great. Oh yeah, that's what I gotta do. <laughs> I'll show you. Yeah, right. Now you'll give me. You'll give me your credit card <laughs> yeah. information now. Odds are, if there's a geeky event going on, I'm there. I mean, if you hang out at the San Diego Comic Art Gallery long enough, I'll show up. If you're you know at a comic convention like San Diego Comic Fest, you'll find me there. And you know just all around town or at Little Fish Comic Book Studio. Cool. And what what Comic Book Studio was that? That is Little Fish Comic Book Studio, San Diego's premier comic art and storytelling education studio. Boom.
2: There you have it. Cool. Thank you very much, man. Appreciate it. All right. Thank
10: you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. All right. We have Becky Yard and Mikey
2: Koston here at the San Diego Comic Fest 2017. What's up, guys? How's your Comic Fest going?
11: Good. good it's doing good
2: cool 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 so you were just talking about some work that you guys were doing can you tell me about that
11: yeah we actually released a magazine called Soda Pop mm-hmm. and it's uh, an anthology of four different artists and we also have movie reviews and who, who well. are the four different artists um, well I'm Becky Yard mm-hmm. and then it's Carson,
12: uh, Matt Cosson Joel Stokes and uh, soon to be Levi Stokes so a bunch of brothers yeah. oh cool very cool and, and, and <laughs> <laughs> these. So,
2: so this magazine that you guys have. How long have you guys been running for? Uh,
12: okay. uh, it just started actually. We, this is our uh, first issue. We just premiered it here. Yeah. And, uh, we did a Comic uh, Fest exclusive one, uh, with a Jack uh, Kirby tribute.
2: Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So each one of these artists uh, basically did a story for the, the book?
12: Yeah. yeah. We all did stories. We have some articles and we have an article uh, just with a tribute pin-ups to Jack Kirby.
2: So do you guys write and draw the, Correct. Uh, the books? Yep. Oh, no way. And how long long are these stories generally? Uh,
12: about uh, 12 to 20 pages apiece. Yeah. Oh no way. Yeah.
2: Do you guys plan on doing uh, an ongoing or are they yes. self-contained?
11: Yeah we definitely plan to do it ongoing. I mean the next issue will come out uh, May. Yeah.
12: yeah. Yeah. Most of the stories uh, they're ongo- they're ongoing but they also have uh, like a lot of the stories wrap up and then they just continue the world with the characters mm-hmm. and uh, so we just wanted a place where all the different varieties of stories that we have in us that we could put out. So, so uh, like, for instance, I'm doing uh, two stories in this issue. I'm doing one, which is uh, In the Life of Mikey, which mm-hmm. is about when I worked at a comic store, which she now works at a comic Right, store. right. And the other one I'm doing is uh, just a comic strip about a guy that's rivals with his oh. own girlfriend trying to get social media
2: attention. Oh, wow. Is this based on real life? or No, 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 no not at all. all right, tell, tell me about Star Shooters, Becky.
11: Well, Star Shooters is about two brothers who are trying to save nine planets from mm-hmm. Captain No-Brainer. So he's this okay. alien with a no brain, no brain. obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a sci-fi comedy series I just started doing, and I got inspired. Oh, you're doubling uh, in comedy, huh? Yeah, I'm doubling with comedy. <laughs> 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 and uh, I just got inspired by um, these characters after I drew them for uh intober one okay. of your familiar with that no every no no tell me about Inktober oh well Inktober is like an art event that happens yearly mm-hmm. in October so all the artists oh yeah yes. it's a yes, social yes, media yes. thing yes. but you have to do an ink drawing every day for 31 days yes okay so um, what I did is well with my friends we actually mixed it up so we mm-hmm. did like a different topic every week mm-hmm. so one week was uh, sci-fi okay. and so I, that's how I created these characters and, and so after you, I you drew grew them, fond of these characters you yeah liked and you I liked them and my capitalism. brother liked them And I actually, uh, these characters are actually named after my brothers. Oh, cool. Ben and Daryl. Nice. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, I think this would be just a cute story to start right. off and everything so this is my first uh comic that I actually
12: published. okay
2: so you got the sci-fi comedy angle covered yeah mikey what's what's your comic about again uh
12: mine's slice of life it's like uh for this issue it's the day in the life of mikey working at a comic book store so mm-hmm. it's based off of real customers that i interacted with a real uh guy that came in armed you know robber came into the store mm. uh, just some crazy stuff that, you know yeah. Fantasized at the end, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ends, you know, but that that's a self contained story for this issue, and uh, so we do have a lot of self contained stories and then ongoing stories too.
2: Cool, so you guys have the first issue uh, that you're debuting here at San Diego Comic Fest. Uh, when can we see or when can we expect the second issue?
12: Uh, probably the end of May. We're actually gonna work on uh, doing a, a 3D issue uh, for Comic Con, mm-hmm. all 3D uh, version for. Uh, the second issue. So the second issue will have a regular version and a 3D version
2: a 3d version yeah
12: oh wow because we, we just figure some people can't handle 3d you know, yeah, so, yeah yeah Yeah. So are we, you
2: doing old school 3d with the red and the blue yeah oh yeah oh. <laughs> old school
11: all the way yeah.
2: you're gonna include
12: 3d glasses yeah yep. 3d glasses with. oh man that's all awesome. we're gonna have some 3d t-shirts at comic-con for oh, it oh very so. nice yeah. but do you guys plan on putting these out uh, digitally yeah we actually uh we're opening a MagCloud store it's uh under Kingmakers, mm-hmm. and um and so
2: what what's the where can they find the store
12: uh, just uh, magcloud.com. If you go there and they have a little store search engine and you uh, type in uh, Soda Pop Magazine mm-hmm. and you'll see it in there. So. Do you guys have any other uh, social media set up for the Soda Pop Magazine? Uh, right now we have uh, a Tumblr and we also have uh, our key makers. Uh, uh, comics.com uh, page mm-hmm. and the comics is spelled with an I-X by the way. <laughs> comics with an I-X? Yeah, like the oh. underground kind of style. You know? Sure.
2: Well, thank you guys. Thank you guys for sharing and best thank of you. luck to you. All right, and you. Uh, find you guys on Kingmakers.com Your Majesty, please have a seat with me. There's a little <laughs> bit of magic involved in this. This is
7: magic you're doing here. Yes,
2: absolutely. Today we have with us uh, Queen Babette at the San Diego Comic Fest 2017. How are you doing today, Your Majesty?
7: Quite well, thank you, my lord. How are you? Excellent.
2: I'm uh, doing excellent. I'm doing excellent. Please explain to us, you are in a very regal regal dress, regal outfit, obviously because you are a queen. Very thank beautiful you. dress, beautiful crown. So could you explain to us the, the culture behind uh, what you guys are doing?
7: Um, so we do what's called renaissance uh, recreation because we're not actually reenacting events that happened. Women can be knights. Uh, there's no plague unless it's once a year at a war that we have plague at on purpose
2: there's no plague unless there is a plague okay. it's a war and okay okay so the plague is a war so
7: we're trying to uh, recreate the good parts of the medieval times. So we have uh, the nobility, the chivalry, mm-hmm. the wonder, okay. and um, the wonderful outfits and the beautiful mm-hmm. art. The uh, knights in shining armor and the knights in rusty armor. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the knights do actually compete, uh, but with different uh, armor sets and uh, weapons as well, right?
7: Exactly. Um, there's pole arms and axes and swords. It's all real steel and it's non choreographed. So they're out there bashing away at each other. Yeah.
2: How widespread is this society? Is this local here to the city of San Diego?
7: It's actually international. We have have a lot of uh, kingdoms in Canada.
2: So the the international chapters, they also sort of keep the uh, knighthood. What I'm trying to get at is in Japan, you don't have people dressed as samurais. So
7: we're strictly uh, recreating Western Europe. Sure. And it's anywhere from 793, the Raiden Lindens farm, the Viking one, to 1625. So that the death of King James. And so um, anything in between there is fair game, as mm-hmm. long as it's Western Europe.
2: How long has this been going on?
7: I think that we're about to celebrate our 30th anniversary here next year. So. Very
2: cool. Very cool. What is the name of your house?
7: My house's name is Gleymornadel. Okay. But we band with a whole bunch of other houses mm-hmm. that fought for me, so. Oh, nice. Yeah. Our kingdom for San Diego okay. is called Terra Nuve, which means new land. Okay. And so that's the San Diego area.
2: So if someone wanted to get involved, where would they
7: start? They could go online, the Empire of Adria, Mm. and kind of look at the map and see what you're close to. Mm -hmm. And just go. I mean, some of the most wonderful people I've ever met. Next weekend, we'll be at Morley Field, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of part of Balboa Park, where the archery range is. And we'll be having our most romantic event. It's when the combatants Mm -hmm. fight monsters to win roses for the ladies. And
2: once again, where can we where you find you guys?
7: Online. Um, it's called the Empire of Adria.
2: Thank you very much, Your Majesty. Thank oh, you for uh, thank coming you for on and talking me. to us. you I
7: was so nervous and you made it so
2: easy. Okay, so with us today we have one of the female combatants, Lady Kaya Demerite of the Kingdom of Esperance. How are you doing today?
11: I'm good. How are you?
2: Very, very well. So now you are a lady combatant of your kingdom. Tell me what kind of combat do you Uh, Do you participate in?
13: Well, I do uh, two types of sword fighting. Mm -hmm. So I do Shinai, which is a Japanese bamboo uh, wooden sword. Okay. That hurts a lot. Yeah, (laughs) it sounds like it hurts. Yeah. Um, And now I am doing rapier, Mm -hmm. which is a. If you think of the three musketeers, that's yes. basically what it is. Sure.
2: Now, do you now do these type of weapons require full armor, or do you do this in leathers?
13: Well, with the ones that I do, we do a light gear. So okay. um, I use a little bit of the steel armor, mm-hmm. but I, I don't wear the full um, suit of armor because I am not certified for that yet. So You have to be certified for that. Well, you have to test into it, and I think you have to be a knight uh-huh. to do that. Mm-hmm. So, which I have not.
2: So, does the, the, the queen knights, the, the warriors, and then that's how they officially become knights?
13: Well, actually, it's a little more than that. I am um, uh-huh. currently a squire to a knight, okay. so I'm... I guess a knight in training, Um, what I have to do is I have to earn points, so Mm -hmm. I have to win competitions, I have to gain enough points to move up to become a knight, so um, I also compete in archery.
2: So I I have to ask, how is Milady faring?
13: I am doing well actually with my competitions, I just moved up to Huntsman in um, archery, we have Bowman and Huntsman and so Mm -hmm. now I'm a Huntsman.
2: And how long have you been competing?
13: Actively competing, I think I've been a part of this for maybe a year or two now. Okay,
2: so what so. made you decide to become a combatant?
13: Now, don't get me wrong, I love the arts. True. I love. who doesn't? <laughs> uh, being able to make dresses and everything are, is pretty fun. I've always loved sword fighting, and I've always loved archery. Um, my grandfather is actually the one who got me into this.
2: Your grandfather is?
13: My grandfather is the king of Esperance currently, and his game name would be um, King Donovan.
2: Going down the combat path, what do you aspire to become? A knight?
13: Yes. Oh, cool. I want to be a combat knight.
2: I have to ask this. Are female knights common? Are there a lot of female knights?
13: We definitely give the option of female knights. Now they could be a combat knight, a knight mm-hmm. in archery, ministry, or the arts. We try and be as period correct as possible. Sure. But when it comes to... Be inclusive.
2: You want to be inclusive. Yes.
13: We want our female combatants and male combatants to have the same level of respect.
2: Mm-hmm.
13: Um, we want them to be able to enjoy the same things.
2: The Kingdom of Esperons. Am I pronouncing that correctly? hmm Who's who's your who's your rival? We
13: don't have any rival kingdoms. Really? Yeah. And I don't I don't
2: mean that in a negative. Like, who do you guys hate? But who who are you guys constantly um, at war with? Yeah.
13: Umbria. Umbria. Umbria.
2: Arizona. Yes. Arizona. We
13: have a kingdom down in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. They are the kingdom of Umbria.
2: Mm-hmm. Hey, nothing wrong with a <laughs> No, competition. that's a very <laughs> funny, funny people one people because of
13: know, my experiences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, um, they're all great people down there. Sure. Um, we're not, you know, segregated in different kingdoms. We're all a part of the Adrian Empire.
2: But when Umbria <laughs> shows up, you guys know it. <laughs>
13: they're, the they're the ones to be, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. absolutely. No, I did not say that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> the, the, yeah. The queen was just mentioning that uh, Lady Kaya does kick b- on the field, and it's very satisfying when she kicks the b- of. Uh, what was the name of the kingdom? Umbria. Umbria. When she kicks, Umbria's. B-. No. Sorry, guys. We need. we know, we we need some 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 action here. You know, a little, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some little bit of drama, <laughs> You so. are
13: going to get me in so much trouble. You do know this. I don't understand you can kick anyone's butt anyway. Anyone,
2: that's, so. that's it.
3: Especially yes. in Umbria. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, like, everyone here is talking about it. <laughs> Thank
2: you very much, Lady Kayadim, right? And we're going to have to come out and check you guys out.
13: Please do. It's Absolutely. really fun. Okay,
2: today we have the founder and president-elect of the uh, Science Fiction Coalition, Sean Mullen. And with him is the vice president, Shane Holly. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good, thank you. I'm well. I'm good, thanks. Guys, tell us about this
14: uh, new uh, community that's coming up, the Science Fiction Coalition. Well, I'm, I'm Sean Mullen. I am the founder of the Science Fiction Coalition. I decided to come up with a science fiction club. In San Diego, there are many other science fiction clubs, sure. but mostly are social or not very active and I wanted something uh, very active in the community and very and very diverse uh, so we do more than social events we support the community of San Diego and also um, we're very active in charity also hopefully very soon um, movie theater events also um, we're based in San Diego but eventually I would like us to uh, broaden our horizons and maybe uh, branch out sign up for uh, conventions up in the Los Angeles and Orange County areas as well.
2: And you guys, you guys have been around since uh, January, you mentioned, right? Yes, we're
15: only seven weeks old right now.
2: Oh, wow. Seven weeks old. So is this your first major uh, convention that you guys have, have come out to?
15: Yeah, this is our first major convention that we've been able to come out to. Um, we're looking to try and get do uh, a couple other ones. Uh, like you said, branching up into L.A., doing WonderCon. Um, I believe we're going to be doing uh, CondorCon here soon, another <laughs> local San Diego con. And then, you know, hopefully uh, we'll be uh, seasoned enough to uh, get into the grand day of them all, SDCC, San Diego Con.
2: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so you mentioned doing some some charity work. What kind
14: of charity work do you guys have in mind? Our very first event was last month and we helped raise funds for Make-A-Wish and we were invited to a Food for Less. Mm-hmm. And we brought some cosplay characters, some uh, superheroes, and some Star Wars characters. And uh, we asked for uh, donations for uh, cell phone pictures with the the shoppers that were going to. Uh, That's food a very for us. good idea.
2: That's a very good idea. Yes.
14: So, what kind of cosplayers did you guys have? Well, right now the most we have is Star Wars, mm-hmm. Marvel, and DC. And we're hoping, like at conventions like this, to uh, recruit others, like from Star Trek, Alien. Alien, yeah. other, other movies. Um, we're actually trying to prepare for the new Alien movie in May. We're mm-hmm. trying to land a theater event for Alien. We're trying to invest a life-size Alien. full, full on costume? Well, a uh, uh, prop, Alien prop. Sure. Okay. Well, it, if somebody has an Alien costume, they're more than
2: welcome to join us. <laughs> yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. What, what do you guys have pictured for uh, for the coalition?
14: Well, when I visioned the club, uh, you know, wow. diversity, uh, charity events, being, uh, help promoting uh, movie theaters, the new movies. Mm-hmm. Star Wars clubs do it.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, well, heck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, heck yeah. Well
14: I'm like, well, why not have a, a club that mm-hmm. does the other sci fi movies? Mm-hmm.
2: So. Hey Thomas, they're looking for uh Guardians of the Galaxy cosplayers, man. Oh yeah. Cole Thomas, Thomas. Yeah, yeah, Thomas does it. I was
4: gonna wear my Star Lord jacket. He should have worn
2: your yeah, yeah, He has the jacket, the mask, yeah, yeah he has yeah, the whole cool. the whole deal. He has a, a stuffed raccoon that he carries around with him too. <laughs> that's
4: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, they have the
2: group plant. Awesome. That's right, that's right. That's awesome. Okay, so so where can folks uh, find the Science Fiction Coalition? Do you guys have a uh, uh, online presence?
15: So yeah, so we uh, we're on Facebook uh, under Sci-Fi Coalition on mm-hmm. Facebook, and then you can also find us on our website, which is sci-fi-coalition.org. Okay. Um, go through there and uh, you sign up. Uh, it's uh, in the very early workings. Um, we're sure. going to be working on a forms process as well, too just to kind of put up any events or things that we got going on, um, just so that way everybody can kind of know and kind of just kind of sign up for it. And that way it's a little bit easier instead of calling everybody, hey, you know, yeah. you got an event on Friday. You want to show up? Yeah.
2: Yes, Twitter. What's the
14: Twitter handle? Uh, I think
15: it's Sci Fi Coalition. Yeah. Sci Fi Coalition. Coalition. Yep. And then uh, I believe here in the next couple weeks, we'll be doing Instagram.
14: Yes, hopefully. I yes. got to get on that. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
2: So what's the next uh, convention that you, that they can find the Science 6 Coalition? At? Uh, CondorCon. Thank you very much, Sean. Thank you very much, Shane. Yes. Uh, appreciate it, you guys. And best of luck to you. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. So we're here second day of the San Diego uh, Comic Fest 2017. And last night they held a Name That Tune contest. And you would think that they had a bunch of pre-recorded tunes from different TV shows. Uh, No, they had a live band. They had the Telenauts playing these tunes, and we're very lucky with us to have Armand, the leader of the band, the Telenauts. How are you doing today?
16: I'm doing good. How are you?
2: Doing really well, thank you. So, okay, so I have to ask you this. Telenauts sounds like you guys specialize in covering uh, TV jingles, correct? TV theme songs.
16: TV Um, theme songs, yeah. uh, We're we're going to expand soon into commercials. Oh, wow. um, So you guys are...
2: Going into the jingle
16: business. Yeah, but to start, uh, we're just doing the covers of TV themed.
2: And do you guys specialize in these types of con- uh, contests, uh, or do you normally go out and uh, play uh, bars and events and, and stuff like that?
16: Now, now, when you say um, normally, mm-hmm. I have to tell you that this was our maiden voyage Oh, nice. to perform at Comic Fest. Right? Oh, very cool. Um, all of us have played other kinds of music together mm-hmm. in different bands, but mm-hmm. this is the first time this band has played together, and it's the first time we performed TV show themes. So
2: walk me walk me through a, a quick set list of the uh, TV show themes. What are what are your uh, the the main shows that you guys will be covering.
16: Oh gosh, we have uh, Gilligan's Island, oh, The Munsters, nice. WKRP in Cincinnati, oh, oh, wow. Andy Griffith. Oh nice. um, Hogan's Heroes, Benny Hill. Right? So the <laughs> Benny Hill, the, yeah. Uh, we have a sax player. So uh, the uh, name of the, sax. the name of the tune is Yakety Sax. Yakety Sax. Uh, we have an awesome tenor sax player named Nightshade, okay. and uh, he knows the whole thing. So oh
2: wow. <laughs> How 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 many members are, are there in the telenoids?
16: Uh Currently, there are five of us. Oh, very right. cool. No one's quit yet, so there's still five. That's good. No <laughs> one's quit before the main employees. That's
2: awesome. <laughs> uh, do you guys plan on adding uh, more theme songs to the to the set list?
16: Yes. So we we started out with this uh, performance with about thirty songs. That's a lot of songs. Um, it sounds like a lot of songs, mm-hmm. but you got to realize that with TV themes, they're all about one minute long or oh, less, because you know see. It's, it's just the intro. That's the intro to the show. Mm-hmm. You know.
2: What are your personal favorite uh, TV theme songs
16: my favorite one uh, to play is wow. Sanford and Son Sanford and Son Yeah, That's such a good yeah. song um, I was doing a little research on just the sheet music and all that mm-hmm. and I found a copy and at the top uh, the musical directions were Junkyard Funky so that's <laughs> how we tried to play it.
2: <laughs> that is that that is actually another good name for a band too as well. Junkyard
5: Absolutely. Funky. Yeah. You're doing
16: a little, little funk band. How would you say the first gig went? The first gig went really well. Mm-hmm. Um, my goal was to make sure that the audience outnumbered the band yeah so and <laughs> I'd say there was about a hundred people there maybe nice. maybe a little less I don't know nice. but it was it was it was nice to have a good audience.
2: TV theme songs can sometimes be very underappreciated.
16: Yeah, and I, I've been discussing this with the band mm-hmm. and with my friends and everybody, and that uh, people connect more to TV theme songs than sure. they do to regular pop songs. The regular pop songs kind of come and go over a three or five sure. year period. few classics that linger. For
2: example, the Addams Family theme song. Even if you've never watched an episode of The Addams Family, people know immediately to snap their fingers at that port. Yes. For, for some reason.
16: A lot of those theme songs have a large cultural momentum yes. I would say so in future generations the song might show up and people are singing along with it but they don't know where it even originally came from yeah. or, or what it was but it's still there it's part of the culture now
2: what would you consider to be the last big original TV theme song that has come out
16: Probably Futurama.
2: Oh, that was so good. I love that show. is
16: good, and um, Family Guy, that's yeah, another that was... one. So
2: what's the next event for the uh, Telenauts? Uh,
16: the next event for the Telenauts is more rehearsal, because we plan on coming back to more conventions. There was very a lot cool. of interest in the band sure. at this convention, so I think we're going to come back and do more conventions. Um, I'd like to get um, the band playing out somewhere where people could come sing along, oh, have, absolutely. A, have, a have a sing-along event. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That'd so... be cool.
2: OK, Armand, thank you very much for coming to chat with us. And and where can we follow, do, uh, do you guys
16: have an uh, online presence? We do. Uh, right now it's on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you get on Facebook and you search for Telenauts. Mm-hmm. Um, How is Telenauts us- spelled? T-E-L-E-N-A-U-T-S
2: Christina, so what brings you to the San Diego Comic Fest 2017 in San Diego, California? Well,
17: this is my first Comic Fest. This year will be my 20th Comic Con. Oh, cool. My friend's actually doing a toy show here, so mm-hmm. he invited me to come down and try it out. It's pretty cool. I'm actually really excited. I like the feel. It feels really grounded, like you're back at home and kind of like doing that Comic Con 15 years ago. I'd yeah, say. yeah, You yeah. know, where you get to know people, you actually get to meet people, people mm-hmm. are cool, nobody's got a head too big. Yeah, exactly. Like
2: it. And it's not like uh, elbows to elbows shoulder to shoulder packed so they're doing a toy show do they have a booth a toy booth
17: yes 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 it's one shots world toys I just did a really cool panel, though. I went over to the Star Wars panel where they were talking about the logistics of the Death Star. It was really awesome. Oh, really? They broke yeah. it down like that? Yeah, like no, no uh, handrails. There's no...
2: No, it was a very <laughs> dangerous place. Yeah. Yeah. No the OSHA- disability act. OSHA was definitely yeah. not around. <laughs> OSHA didn't for the, care. Yeah, no. There's so, zero handrails. That
17: was really cool. Yeah. I've never been able to be to... At a panel like that That was talking about The logistics I, I'm a huge Comic nerd
2: So you're into comics What is your Bread and butter When it comes to the comic world
17: So right now I'm kind of into The Civil War
2: The Civil War 2 Or Civil War the Civil II. War movie I Okay. like Civil
17: War 2 um, Oh what do you like
2: about it Okay I, cause I have I to like, Have my beefs with this Oh
17: do you Okay so A little so, bit <laughs> um, and, then I, and then when we talk Old school Like I, I, I like old Star Wars comics And I like mm-hmm. old When I was a kid I'm a woman So I liked Archie's Sure I'm not gonna put it down. No, I liked it, wrong it got me it. into comics. It's
2: still going. I love it. It has it. a show, yeah. I loved
17: it. Okay, so I'm having a brain freeze. What's the name of the new Miss uh, Marvel? Yes. Yeah. I love her. <laughs> I love her. Yeah. I love her. I love her. I love. I love her. You know, changing the ethnicity. Eth- yes, ethnicity? Ethnicity of, of the different characters. Oh, I love absolutely. having a so, Middle Eastern female strong character. I think so that's
2: that, So awesome. yeah. Okay. So that's uh, Miss Marvel. So you're a fan of um, the the recent changes, like the, the the new generation of characters that are coming out, right? You have the yes. Uh, there's the female Iron Man, the female Thor, uh, female Wolverine with X-23, female Hulk. the well, we've always had the She-Hulk. I love her. She-Hulk's been around. Yeah. Yeah, she's wow. awesome. That, that's I would turn an oldie but old goodie. Yeah, that'd yeah. be cool. An Asian Hulk. Nice. Right? Asian Hulk.
9: Yeah.
2: Um, help me out here. Captain America is now Falcon. The Falcon is Captain oh, America. I didn't. So you have all this whole another generation of characters that are sort of changing different uh, ethnicities and genders.
17: I think the future of Civil War II is going in the right direction. I think it's really trying to accept people for who they are and accept people for the differences they are, regardless of what gender or what spe- specific powers they might have. Yeah. They're really blurring the lines of gender. They're blurring the lines of the abilities. Mm-hmm. Where it was really a misogynistic comic originally. Oh, it was all, it was you know, meant for boys, for was. young yeah, boys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when I was younger, it was hard for me to identify with the comic world.
2: Be honest with me here. And, and, and just between you and I and... 20 million the, oh, listeners. 20 million listeners. Thirty million. listeners.
17: Thirty million wow. listeners.
2: Did you really like Civil War Two? Did you like the story, the with the Inhumans? And,
17: okay, uh, let me let me get back. <laughs> let me let me rewind. I like the direction that the comic is going. Mm-hmm. Um, the storyline for me isn't as important as just the the movement that it's making. To now, you mm-hmm. have so many things. You have all these wonderful characters to be able to identify with, and, and so that kind of takes precedence for me over the story. I sure. understand the storyline's not as strong as other comics that we've seen and mm-hmm. read, but I do enjoy the fact that we get to experience so many different cultures. You can really change the world with comics if people just...
2: What's your What's your favorite uh, female comic book character? Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman's awesome. She's yeah. a classic. <laughs> I mean, There's I, nothing wrong with I, that. We
17: were born in the same year. No, I'm just What,
2: <laughs> what do you feel? How do you feel about the recent I'm Gal Gadot? Not a fan.
17: Not a fan. Well, Who was that? She looks a little... I just really would wish they'd keep it more classic.
2: You're thinking more... you thinking more looking
17: more like uh Xena warrior princess. Thank you. So she was a little too petite, mm-hmm. a little too perfect. Mm-hmm. I really like I wish they would have gone with that bigger a little more ruggedness, uh, like a little, little rougher yeah, on yeah, the yeah. edges.
2: Yeah. Batman Superman and her fighting against Doomsday. I thought she she held her own very well. Well, right? that will take
17: us into the cop topic of how I do not like DC. Okay, the movies, time. the comics yeah. or all of it. Uh, I'm just not a big fan. I like DC mm-hmm. because it's got some of my favorite classic characters, yeah. but I don't like the anything they've ever done I like the characters they've created yeah. in the 30s and 40s so, so you don't
2: like like the Dark Knight the Dark Knight Returns
17: I just think they always miss the mark
2: you know what sucks is that DC is DC and Warner Brothers are stacked with characters right I mean, just let alone Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, the Joker, Harley Quinn now. So many good ones. And they're blowing it. They're blowing it with these top names. Disney has this thing where they're really good about giving creative control to their their little studios. To the people who
17: have the creative mind.
2: They said, all right, these comic book characters are yours. We'll basically fund your movies, you make them. And we have Great these amazing movie Star Wars oh, kicking butt Logan
17: coming out I mean come on it's going to be amazing Well
2: Logan is Fox Studios the, is it X- Fox? the yeah the but X-Men don't
17: they own? I thought they ended up mixing together no
2: No they did not wow. they did oh, not those are good
17: movies I'm sorry whoever's listening like, but I really like all you the You like X-Men. the X-Men yeah, movies? I'm a wow, fan. Really? Oh really? I just yeah I'm not going to say I'm not I'm a fan I do hmm. like the X-Men movies I love Professor Xavier yeah. I think the Magneto The James
2: McAvoy yeah. the new oh, I Professor I Xavier James or Patrick Stewart I like
17: them both I'm not going to tell you I don't like I like Yeah they're pretty good they're both pretty good I think James McAvoy a really talented actor. Mm-hmm. I think he's amazing. With oh, stuff absolutely. That he does. I like the way that those X Men movies have kept my interest for the last ten years. You know, or however long yeah. it's been. It's been nice that they slowly draw it out. and You yeah. get like this nice little feel. You actually start to be friends with these people mm-hmm. in your mind. And then they reboot it. And then they reboot it. <laughs> and then you know, then then they take away uh, Rebecca Romaine and they're like, "Oh, you're nobody." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're
2: gone. Uh, we like Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence is good. Yeah, now. she's our yeah. new one. She has more creative control over character now. So she says she doesn't like the blue makeup. Oh, so, come on. So she's. Doesn't have to wear the you blue makeup that. as much. So did, you, did you watch uh, Jessica Jones on?
17: I did, and I liked What'd Luke Cage. I oh, watched Luke Cage. Cage I awesome. thought it was awesome. Um, yeah. Jessica Jones was great. I thought it was. I thought she was great. I thought she did a great job. The mm-hmm. actress who played her. Um, I liked the storyline. I, mm-hmm. I but I really enjoyed Luke Cage. Yeah, Luke Cage was awesome. Like I, I, I really enjoyed it.
2: I think that the Netflix I mean if we're, if we're kind of going on this um, female roles in the culture um, I think the Netflix series are, are using women very oh, very agreed.
17: well being a woman and enjoying comics I don't have to enjoy only women comics True. and I don't True. have to only enjoy women superheroes I think it's fair for everybody to come into it especially women and mm-hmm. kind of let themselves enjoy whatever it is they, they yeah. like you know I really like female driven characters I think it's awesome mm-hmm. but at the same time you know I, I love mm-hmm. yeah. men, men power characters like I I enjoyed Luke Cage. I thought that yeah. he did such an amazing job. I thought that that actor pl- who had played him was amazing.
2: Yeah, really good. The storyline really was good. amazing.
17: How did you like Rogue One, if you don't mind flipping the tables?
2: We were just talking about it, actually. So Rogue One, I thought was it was a good movie. It was a really good movie. I like that the, oh, you know what I also really like? Tell Is it. that everybody dies.
17: I love that. Love I said it. that when I came out of the theater. I love Somebody it. asked me how I felt about it, and I was like, everybody dies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love it. It was a good war movie. Really enjoyed Rogue One. I thought it was great. Empire's yeah. my favorite of course, of all of them I mean usually yeah. pretty much everybody yeah. that likes Star Wars um, but I would put Rogue as like a second or third I really enjoyed it I thought mm-hmm. it was a great storyline I'm excited about Star Wars 8 um, mm-hmm. You know, what did you
2: think about The Force Awakens
17: I thought it was great I thought it was a perfect remake of Star Wars yeah. A New Hope
2: so are, are you excited to see like uh, the young Han Solo oh, and all these Fett. movies oh Boba oh yeah. yeah
17: are you kidding 100% I'm Star Wars blood so this we're, happens we're to you the it. whole time like people just come up and they're like hey man what's up and then you're like hey come and sit down
2: yeah there oh. is Zero planning to what we do. We literally just sat down, I love that. set up our mics, put our laptops, and someone walked up and was like, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" I'm like, "Yeah, hey, you want to do an
17: interview? That's yeah, sure." Really awesome. That's it. Oh, absolutely. Full time for you? No. Uh,
2: no, 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 not full time. We worked together, and when we started working together, we started talking about comics and annoying everybody around us. I
17: know how that feels. Nobody, yeah. but I am in a totally different league because I honestly don't know any women that are into it.
2: And then you know that it's it's the, the the female fan base is growing.
17: So I own a con called SheCon. And it is a woman-based Comic-Con, and it's basically for women to get introduced into the industry and not to be afraid of joining that misogynistic society. Try to help them break in, because I have a lot of friends that work for Marvel, and every friend that I have is a man. I don't have any women friends Mm -hmm. that are are actual artists Mm -hmm. for Marvel. So we just kind of took it upon ourselves, my cousin and I, to start something that would just be small, and it's only small. It's only been two years, and it's really small. We just have women come, they bring their art, and we just discuss. We discuss the way and the things that we could do to try to make it a little. Different, a little easier.
2: And if you are a woman and you're interested in breaking into the industry, uh, email Chris at shecon, S H E C O N 3000, that's three zero 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 at gmail.com.
17: Thank you. That's Please she Shecon3000
2: at gmail.com. Well, thank you so well, much. Chris, thank you so I much. I had so much fun. Absolutely. I
17: really did. It was great. I'll come back
18: and chat with you anytime you want. Okay,
2: Jennifer, so what brings you to San Diego Comic Fest 2017?
18: I heard it advertised on NPR on Friday. Oh, very cool.
2: What is is, what is your stake in these, uh, this pop culture, nerd culture world that we live in?
18: Uh, I've been collecting comic books for the past 30 years, since I was oh. about 12 years old.
2: Nice, nice. What you um, collect?
18: Batman, anything by Neil Gaiman. I have all the original Sandmans. Uh, I love John Constantine Hellblazers. Oh, so you were into like the that.
2: dark stuff, huh? Hey. Well, you know the dark, trippy stuff.
18: Yeah, a little bit. It's fun though.
2: Yep. Did you Did you stick mostly to the DC side of the house?
18: I did. Yeah. I really did. Yeah. So,
2: how do you feel about the recent DC movies that have been coming out, starting with Man of Steel and uh, now with, you know at the Suicide Squad?
18: So, I really like Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. and I, I have to be I'm probably one of the only people that enjoyed the Ben Affleck Man of Steel. <laughs> that were or uh, Batman that was going on. The, I thought it was a really pretty movie.
2: The Man of Steel? No, or not or Batman versus Superman. I'm I'm sort of conflicted.
18: I don't want to like Ben Affleck. I Why? liked it in spite of Ben Affleck.
2: Why? Ben he Affleck's just so pretty cool. Redeemed himself recently though oh, with some okay. really good movies. Yeah, the and, accountant and, and was good. We yeah, just yeah, yeah. saw that. Yeah,
18: we just rented yeah. that inside. Are you
2: happy that he's not directing the Batman, the standalone movie that's coming out?
18: Yeah, I guess I am. I no? guess I am. He's a good director. He I is a good director though. Yeah, he is. But then again, I, I I have it in me that you're not supposed to like Ben Affleck.
2: Really? It's hard
18: to get over that. Yeah. How
2: do you feel about Matt Damon?
18: I want to see the Great Wall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, looks, yeah. that looks pretty cool. It does.
2: The, there was the, okay, so the Great Wall thing's really weird, right? Because I, I didn't know about the Great Wall until I saw the trailer. And I was like watching the trailer. You never heard of the
18: thing that you can see from outer space?
2: The Great Wall of China, I knew about. The movie The Great Wall. Ah, yeah. I, I don't think you can see the Great Wall from outer space. So is that, is that, I, I thought I,
18: it was one of the only things that you could see from outer one, space. The only man-made thing? I am probably wrong.
2: Yeah, I think so. Because you can see like lights from cities, right?
18: Staff, Google search that, please.
2: We have a little controversy we're gonna we're gonna
18: <laughs> solve
2: it here and now. So I didn't know that this movie was coming out, and I saw you know I was in I forget what movie I was watching, but I was watching the trailers, and it looked like there was gonna be a movie with samurais, and all of a sudden we see Matt Damon in the movie. I'm like, all right, we have another uh, sort of weird Last Samurai type of thing where you know there's uh, and there was a little bit of controversy with casting a white character in a movie about the Great Wall of China or you know. Yeah,
18: but I mean he's supposed to be there. It's oh, a man yeah. of European warriors. Yeah. correct.
2: And then I find that it's yeah yeah they're uh, mercenaries European yeah. mercenaries and then I come to find out that uh, it's a the movie it's a Chinese production it's a Chinese movie.
18: Oh yeah, I love the director. I can't remember yeah. his name right now, but he did movies like Raise the Red Lantern that I really liked. That had oh, cool. he, like I'm a big Gong Li fan. Who's mm-hmm. a Mandarin actress and a lot of her movies he directed. So like a uh, Shanghai Triad is a great one too. Oh,
2: that was good. Okay. Yeah. I've not seen. i not. Oh yeah. Well, so I've liked some of those. these
18: things that this director saw, which made me even though we were probably going to see it now, we're mm-hmm. going to see.
2: It. Sure. So, and then it started going into them fighting uh, dragons and demons. And that took a very strange direction. But apparently the movie's doing really well. People Everywhere are else, yeah. It's already it. like yeah.
18: more than made its money back yeah. in Asia. A awesome huge budget, too. 125 million, Something I thought it was. Because like I think that they'd like already made 500 million before oh, it came geez. out here. Yeah, are so they'd serious? already doubled.
2: So you grew up uh, reading all these uh, dark, gothy-type comics. Yeah, a little writers. bit, a yeah. little <laughs>
18: bit. Yeah. I really got into the Dark Phoenix um, Ooh, nice. with Marvel when that was coming out. That's why I was so disappointed in the first X-Men movies. They were, like, too bubblegummy, like, uh, too too happy and, and off point. Like, to me, it seemed like the comic books were here and it went somewhere else.
2: And But you thought it was bubblegummy,
18: though? <laughs> I thought it was a little dark. So I'm senile now, mm-hmm. but these are my memories of that time. Oh, that's, that's interesting.
2: Because, I mean, like, okay, so let's let's take a look at Tim Burton's Batman, right? So back... In those days, when Tim Burton's Batman came out, that was, that was so considered. Dark. I mean, looking back on it now, it, it doesn't. It doesn't stand as it being. A, it was a good movie. I, I do still enjoy it. There wasn't anything like it, right? So there was no other superhero movies prior to this. The only other Batman we had was uh, the the show, the Batman <laughs> show. That's what we had. You know, the, you know, the super campy Batman yeah. show. No, no, no,
11: no, no. Yeah, exactly.
2: So to have like a dark Batman that would hang someone off a ledge and threaten to kill them, I thought that was really cool, and and a really cynical Joker. Like he was a dark dude.
18: Even though they cast her, Kim Basinger, Kim as Basinger. Vicki Vale, yeah. And Alfred told her that he was Batman. Yeah. Alfred never would have done that. Yeah. Do you have I this think that nostalgia? was it. As I was still reading Batman, yeah. religiously at the time, and, and I couldn't, I could not wrap my little head around that.
2: And, and Tim Burton, admittedly, he was one of these guys that's that says like, I'm not going to read the source material. I don't want it to influence my vision. So I, I,
18: li- I like that he has. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like that he
18: has grown up as an artist. Yeah,
2: that, that seems like it seems like Tim Burton. It would be right in your wheelhouse with all the dark stuff that you were reading. Yeah,
18: yeah, I do. I like everything else. Do you? Yeah. no oh, that's great. I remember taking my brother to the theater to see uh, Nightmare when Night he was like Christmas? seven. Yeah, and that's I was huge. like seventeen that was 18. huge oh <laughs> really yeah.
2: nice that's still a good movie that that holds the test of time right there yeah it does it's and so, the music and yeah. everything else oh my god I love the music I have the, uh, the albums and like you when know, the artists covered all the songs yeah, and we had like Marilyn too. Manson yeah. and all these guys doing them
18: um, every year or at least they have been but they do it at the Hollywood Bowl where you watch the movie and then they have an orchestra playing it live and. The oh are you
2: kidding me oh yeah okay I'll be yeah. looking out for that for yeah. sure what are you reading right now? What what, oh, what Lord. is piquing your interest?
18: Jim Butcher. I've been reading like we have all the Dresden files, and mm-hmm. then he's got a new Steampunk-y, mm-hmm. uh, The Cinder Spire's out. Okay. Are you that. into the
2: steampunk scene?
18: Yeah, we kind of are.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You're a costumer. Do you
9: uh, dress yeah, up? Yeah, we
18: uh, we do, and I vend at them. We do leather work and oh, cool. stuff like that. Very I'm cool. a paramedic by trade, but I have ADHD too much. I can't sit still. Yeah, yeah. So have I do leather work something. and we make costumes and. All oh, sorts very of stuff.
2: nice. And you have a booth here at Center no, of we don't. This
18: is the first time we've ever come to this. But we, like, vended at the Gaslight Gathering. Mm -hmm. We're vending at Long Beach Comic Con this year. Uh, Where else are we vending? Condor Con. We're going to do the Costume Fest. We did the H.P. Lovecraft uh, Convention and Movie Festival Mm -hmm. last year.
2: Colleen Rodriguez is uh, a good friend of ours. She does the Winged Lion booth. Oh, yeah. So she's always at these events. Actually,
18: we came here to say hi to her.
2: Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, she's a very good friend of ours. She's done the podcast with us a few times.
18: We're usually
2: at her, her booth helping her vend. Thomas nice. and I, we usually take turns helping her out, Oh, yeah. well
18: then, were you at the Gaslight?
2: No, I'm, I'm not big on uh, the steampunk stuff.
18: Where else did we see She does everywhere. She's like 18 in a year. She's, she hustles. She's just that way. She we we just had that conversation yeah. with her. She's just that type of yeah, girl. Yeah,
2: she's always hustling. Yeah. She's awesome. Cool, well thank you very much for chatting with us, and you get a pin. Ooh, thank you. So, you do you have a, a store where you sell your leather works or anything? Um, like that? We do
18: on Etsy. It's uh, Moonlight, Weares, that's M-O-O-N-L-I-G-H-T Weares, Wares. That's M O O N L I G H T W A R E S at uh, Etsy.com. And then we have a Facebook link and a website that are all coming soon. We're in the midst of rebranding and re you know building websites and everything.
9: Hey, I'm Corey Sparks. I'm actually head of gaming for Comic Fest.
2: Cool. Hey, Corey. So, what brings you to San Diego Comic Fest?
9: I like people. I like playing games and I like hanging out and it's comic fest I mean what more could you want? comics
2: and games absolutely now you're you uh, you say games are you talking uh, board games video tabletops. games uh, mind games board games and mind games and mind games
9: <laughs> well that's the best board game right
2: so tabletop gaming what 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 are you doing uh, with board games and comics
9: so I brought in um, a lot of great local companies that we have here in San Diego mm-hmm. and I made sure to feature them so we have IDW cool. which does the comic books also but oh, yeah. this time they came around and they wanted to to, to support us with some board games so IDW yeah I'm sorry IDW is in is doing board games as well yes they do uh one of their popular games was machi coro okay and they're coming out with a couple more so they're they're out in point loma actually to oh seaport idw yes, yes absolutely absolutely so yes. they have the comic Book museum and uh-huh. seaport village mm-hmm. they're located out at the liberty station yeah, the liberty point station loma. exactly upper deck okay they're up at carlsbad mm-hmm. you know everybody thinks about upper deck with baseball cards right but they do so much more right like, they have uh their legendary and versus systems okay. are all marvel and they have alien versus predator they have all kinds of of games mm-hmm. that focus on some uh, popular things and...
2: Uh, are they mostly uh, deck builders? I'm, I'm Deck builders, right. Out.
9: They have a bunch of expansions for that stuff and, and you know, Legendary is a, a big popular game. Mm-hmm. Versus is going to start making it big again mm-hmm. and uh, they're going to start doing some int- uh, tournaments in town and things like that.
2: So, I'm sorry, what what is Versus?
9: Versus is the same thing. It's a deck builder similar to Magic except mm-hmm. it's all self-contained. Okay. And then you're, you build your deck out of the cards that are provided in some expansions and you can play against each other.
2: Is that... Uh, Based on comics as well, is that? Yes,
9: it's a, another Marvel, uh, and they ha- they have one that's my favorite. Um, j- just a the theme, uh-huh. uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, for legendary! Wow, really? So, yeah. Oh, was, that's cool. Was, Classic uh, movie. I, I, you ever
2: seen Big Trouble in Little China? What are you doing?
9: And they are coming out with another game that you guys got to look out for, and it's uh, a Dingo Ate My Baby.
2: A Dingo Ate My Baby. No way. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, how, what was that game about?
9: <clears throat> so that game is kind of like a uh, rock paper scissors kind of thing. Okay. So you have different animals uh, that chase away different mm-hmm. things, and uh, you're you're playing a farmer and you you have different things on your farm okay. um, I'm not gonna tell you anymore I want you guys to come check it out check it out online when they start do the sure. do the release the release is not out yet what are you playing right now right now um, another great company not from San Diego is uh, have a games they're actually from Germany mm-hmm. But they do a lot of kids' games. Mm-hmm. So right now, uh, in our two gaming areas, I have in our open atrium. Okay. So Habaha has from all ages, from, uh, you know, one to two years old. From one to two? Okay, so from one to two years old? With colors and counting and uh, oh, I see, larger I see. pieces. But let me tell you about the other company we have here, mm-hmm. um, USAopoly. So if you ever played a Monopoly game that's other than regular Monopoly, it's um, probably come out by USAopoly. So a Monopoly game, like uh, when they skin it with different themes. Yes. Exactly. Oh, very good. I have The Walking so Dead. The, the Walking now, Dead, USA yeah, that Oh, that's cool. So that's a local company too. One of their big games that just came out was uh, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. Mm-hmm. So we have that here. Basically, uh, you're gathering that the light gets the dark, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're fighting Death Eaters and uh, you're Dumbledore's Army fighting Death Eaters. Oh, very cool. They're working with Steve Jackson games. A lot of people know Munchkin. So they've come out with, yeah. right now we have um, Marvel mm-hmm. Munchkin. And they've come out with two expansions for that and, mm-hmm. and the base game. And they're going to come out with another one. I don't know if everybody knows. Knows, they're going to come out with X Men. So, oh, X Men. That's awesome. I'll, so, buy, I'll buy anything, actually, by the way.
2: <laughs> you so, skin it with yeah. X Men, and I'll probably pay yeah, it. Yeah,
9: so, some of their other releases that they've done with, with Munchkin, mm-hmm. um, they've done Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, cool. And uh, Adventure Time. Oh, dude, I love Adventure Time. So,
2: so like games like uh, yeah, Take It A Ride, Lords of Waterdeep. Uh, king of Tokyo, Sushi Go,
9: uh, Bang the Dice game. I mean, all they're of here. These games. Oh, really? Bang the Dice games here. That's USAopoly. That's cute. Uh, king one of, of my Tokyo's Favorite games of all time. Um, king of Tokyo is awesome. See. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I have the Halloween edition with it, which gives you a couple extra Halloween. Characters. Oh, of course. Cool. But we're having new games that are much more socially yeah. interactive, mm-hmm. like uh, Codenames is one of the popular uh, games. Codename from last Pictures year. is one of my favorite games. And I had that's here too. Codenames oh, and Codename oh, Pictures. Oh my god, so, that's a good I
4: mean,
2: game. You know what's really cool is uh, some of these games. Are using apps as part of the game as well like you download the app it's part of the game it's either a, a timer whatever it is there was one oh what is it
3: everyone close your eyes werewolves wake up and look for other werewolves werewolves
19: close your eyes one In- night concerning- ultimate werewolf was what you're thinking yeah there you go that was it <laughs> <laughs>
9: oh, and
2: sorry. I I love I love the direction that board games are going. They're getting really cool, really creative. I mean, some are are, could be very complicated. And some are just quick, fast, easy. Uh, code name pictures is a great one. You just lay out your cards, you get into groups, and you just fight all night. It's it's pretty awesome. I love it. Yeah,
9: really made it more complicated the the regular code names game where you just have a word. It's easier to a guess a yeah. word yeah.
2: than to guess yeah. Oh, yeah. a picture. I mean, it it depends because we we only played the code names pictures, and after playing the code name picture, I don't know if I would want to go back and play. I mean, I would give it a shot, but the pictures are so weird. And so unique, and it really makes you have to switch mental gears, and yeah. I really enjoyed that. Uh,
9: yeah, yeah. I mean, all, all the Codename Games are about connections. Oh, yeah. But as you said, the, the pictures are just... If you're a geek, oh. I mean the pictures in the game are amazing. Oh, it's perfect. It's they're, perfect. they're geek pictures. Yeah. They have they have a picture with the D20 on it. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, with the claw on Yes, the D20. exactly. Yeah, that was cool. How, how, would, how Yeah.
2: How, what, what more do you want? Yeah, we had a we had an argument because there's one where it looks like there's tentacles reaching up over a, a boat. We got into an argument because is it an octopus? Is it a kraken? It's obviously one to one person. It's obviously. It, well, the, are the kraken
9: is an octopus. Exactly. Y- y- y-
3: yeah, did I
16: just show up right in time <laughs> hey,
2: for <that>? Exactly. <laughs> See.
9: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, quits. If if, what, what did you say? You said beast, right? So, an if animal. you look at the old maps. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, Tangent. No, 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 no. We're going on tangent. Well, were you, if I said animal, would you have picked oh, that? Of course. It's yeah! an animal.
2: Eat your burger. Get out of here. <laughs> That's the type. That, this is the type of uh, interactions that you have playing this game. Stuff like that, and I love it. It was a lot of fun. It was very cool. If you, if you were to take a game, right, uh, let's say you, you met a group of people that wanted to play board games, but all they knew was Monopoly, Risk, and Clue. If you were to say, okay, let's play this one game. This is my scenario. Uh, I'm, I've got a new board game day organized, and their favorites are Monopoly, and risk and and apples to apples and stuff like
9: that. But what would you say is the one game that would be like, check this out, you guys will enjoy this. Try them with a simple game first. Which game? I usually try them with something like Love Letter. Oh, good one. Or I'll do something like a dice game. Uh, Steve Jackson has a lot of dice games. Mm-hmm. Zombie dice. Yeah. Zombie dice is great. Yeah. That's a so, great game. So zombie game. dice, Cthulhu dice, uh, just to give them a variation. Sure. I, I have gone to code names and things like mm-hmm. that.
2: So where can we find you? Where can we find more information on this type of stuff?
9: A lot of the San Diego cons all have a game room. Um, mm-hmm. I, I try to be as at many conventions as I can mm-hmm. just because I, I do it for fun. Sure. Um, it's my hobby, and mm-hmm. it pays for itself. Cool. Um, do you have a, do you have an online presence where people can follow you? I don't, not yet. I well, apologize really? for that. Uh, the the reason is because I I'm I'm busy. No, that's good. Really I'm a dad with three kids, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we are listening to armor walking by. In case Absolutely. you're wondering what the clanking <laughs> is. Podcasting <laughs> here.
2: So <laughs> at least it's just one one guy in a suit of armor. Yeah, like, yeah, one, no one guy. Like it's, 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 it's
9: not it's not legion. Yeah. So thank you very much for having no, me on no your problem. show. Thank you for I coming I hope on. everything goes well, and uh, you guys take you care. As well.
15: All
2: right, how are you guys doing? Today we have with us uh, artist and creator of Max Boost, Dennis Kako. Yeah. How
19: are you doing today, Dennis? Good, man. I'm here, yeah, here at the uh, San Diego Comic Fest, right?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. So what brings you to the San Diego Comic Fest?
19: Well, um, I used to be actually really involved in comic books, like, mm-hmm. literally, probably 15, 20 years ago. Um, believe it or not, my first studio, uh, when I was younger, 16 years old, I mm-hmm. actually had in the same building as San Diego Comic Con. Oh really? So we were all friends back then. Oh cool. And I was inspired to be, in the, uh, to be a comic book artist when I was younger and, mm. and so I did my, uh, paid my dues and ended up uh, creating my own comic strip called Max Boost uh, uh, eventually, yeah. Cool. And w- what did you grow up reading? What, what inspired you? Oh my god. Um, oh, the very first inspiration for comics uh, yeah. for me was actually the Levi's commercial with Rob Liefeld in it. Oh, really? I don't know if anybody remembers that.
12: So, how long have you been drawing comic books? So, I was about seven years old, little kid. What did your parents think about it? They hated it. They hated it. Hell oh, yeah. After I, I got a job and they saw that you can make a living out of they you'll hear no complaints anymore. And you created X-Force? Mm-hmm. So, what is this drawing on? This is the Spike Man. And what's this right here? This is the camera on top of your head that will record the wrongdoings of others. So, Rob, have you had any. Any formal art training? No, just uh, a lot of imagination,
9: I think. Wait, so so I say it and then look down, or just open it and say. Fly button.
19: But I remember seeing that commercial, and I was just mind blown. Um, mm. And I think a couple of things that I uh, I was introduced to comics. In that way, then, Mm -hmm. and then at the same time, I saw that he was young. So this was the '90s, uh, Rob Liefeld, (laughs) um, before Image, right? Even right around Image, Image, yeah, right around, or it is that Image, right when it first launched, and that was obviously everyone knows Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, but Image Comics was what uh, made me believe that I could do it myself.
2: Oh, nice, man. Yeah. So, so you got inspired by the uh, by Rob Liefeld
19: and. A Levi's commercial was really <laughs> really interesting. <laughs> that, yeah. So tell us about Max Boost, man. How did this happen? All right. So check this out. So as a comic book artist and struggling comic book mm-hmm. artist, I ended up uh, working at a, a comic book coloring company here in San Diego called In Color. Okay. With Clydeen Knee. and um, and her brother Johnny was heavily involved in image as well. Mm-hmm. So I was in the comic book industry. Opened up that studio that I was talking about earlier with uh, that had San Diego Comic Con in it. Got mm-hmm. to be around the industry. I actually even made some of the badges for con back in oh, the day. Oh really? No way. Yeah. And so um, anyways, I was working, doing all of that um, and. Just trying to be a comic book artist. I mean, I think every comic sure. book artist knows what it takes, mm-hmm. and it's hard. And so I ended up falling into a passion for cars. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was old enough, I had my first car, and it happened to be a Rice Rocket, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Acura Integra GSR. And then, and I ended up starting street racing. Okay. Um, and so what I did was I married the two together. Mm-hmm. And so with street racing, I created a whole entire uh, story and cast of uh, Max and Otto and their adventures in Motorville. Mm-hmm. And uh, his name is Max Boost. And mm-hmm. so made that comic strip in particular for a. Max Magazine called Import Tuner Magazine, which okay. was uh, originally owned by uh, Kington Public yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Kip Kingting and then sold to Macmillan Argus, and mm-hmm. we had a million readers a month. So uh, back then, that was kind of a big deal. <laughs> sure. And so my comic strip yeah, I right for, like, now it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be huge. And, it, and so <laughs> you know, and, and and so it was all from my passion of cars, mm. and then just you know, again, just marrying that with my passion for comics, and created something that literally millions of people know about.
2: So did you write your stories in uh, in small,
19: like, bite-sized bits, or did you get full pages in the magazine? Exactly. So we did full pages in the magazine, anywhere from two to eight Mm -hmm. pages, depending on what we wanted to do. And what ended up happening in this magazine, which was a car magazine, it was actually about cars and tuning and all mm-hmm. of that stuff, our comic strip ended up becoming uh, like 75% of the reasons why people subscribed to the magazine because they didn't okay. want to meet, meet, miss, and miss, miss an issue of Max Boost, right? Oh, no way. And so that was really cool that we were able to contribute that way. Mm-hmm. And I kept the rights, which yeah. was really important. That's cool. You know, and so... Um, and so then, do so you I feel, feel like running.
2: you touched a nerve with uh, people maybe... Uh, or, or, or readers of your age that were maybe into the same sort of things that were into cars and at the same time were writing the the comic book sort of uh, movement waves. that was going on at the same time. Yeah, yeah.
19: two waves happening at the same time, comic yeah, books right? and the whole car thing that eventually led to Fast and the Furious 1, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, where everyone used to make fun of it and now you realize it's a billion dollar industry. Yeah, and now
2: they're like on the eighth movie or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
19: yeah so that, I was part of that. I probably considered one of the OGs of that sure. street culture here in the United States and here in Southern California is really the, 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 the center of all of that. And so, um, yeah, so just a guy running around doing, and yeah, I was a street racer and I don't recommend doing it, but I did it. <laughs> I used to run from cops, do it so responsibly. a lot of what's in max boost is a reflection of uh, my actual, you know, experiences in life oh, okay. as a street racer, which is pretty crazy.
2: Oh, that's cool. So you took yeah. your experiences and you, your actual experiences. Or yeah. interpretations of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah. And made dude, that's awesome. So you were drawing right from real life.
19: Yeah, so in like yeah, so in this in this little thing here, which is just a prototype, mm. um, uh, we <laughs> You, you will actually see scenes in here that mm-hmm. some people recognize here in San Diego.
20: Oh, right? Yeah,
19: so it's pretty Did funny. Did you use San Diego as, as, the, as the background? Sort of. I mean, you'll see like one of the places we used to race, if anybody's here from San Diego, is very, is on, uh, I think it's called Carroll Canyon Road, but it's right off of the 805 and the Mira Mesa yeah. exit. There's a place, there's a fire department right there. Mm-hmm. They put speed bumps there now. Mm-hmm. So that we couldn't do it after so oh, many sucks. years, but it's we called that place Firehouse, and every mm-hmm. street racer would know where that location is exactly, and that's where that's one of the locations we used to race at.
2: Oh, cool! cool. Yeah. So, so what happened with uh, Max booths
19: <laughs> So we ran for like eight, uh, almost a little over eight years inside Import in Importuna Magazine. And we really, we really went far with it. Mm-hmm. Um, we went from just not only producing, having this comic, but we started to get uh, uh, interest from entertainment. I ended up with an agency with a guy named Russell Binder, um, and he was like, um, he helped me actually land a deal with Playmates Toys. That was oh, the beginning. Dude, and worry. Playmates Toys, for anybody that doesn't know, Playmates Toys is the origin is one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle yeah. um, license uh, licensees, um, and so they did Disney and all of that, and they saw. The vision for Max. They Mm -hmm. got it. They understood that this whole street racing thing is gonna explode. And this was this was we're talking about, I don't know how many years ago now. And no one understood like this whole culture. And I was like, dude, it's it's gonna be big. Mm -hmm. And um and so we wanted to do cars. And then kinda like then after that we started to get uh we started talking to IDW back when it was small. Sure, (laughs) sure. We were talking to Tokyo Pop and Stu Levy over there, like Mm -hmm. they're all interested in licensing. Then we had um different uh companies like uh that wanted a license for apparel, so we got all these licenses set up. we had up. meetings in New York, which mm. was like, for me as a little comic book artist, that was huge. We had yeah. meetings at Toy Fair. That's a big deal. In the Playmates booth with Walmart and Target. They mm. wanted the toys. And so they're like, just, we only had to have one thing though. What was and that? that one thing was a Saturday morning cartoon. Oh. So no little thing. And so what ended up happening is we ended up getting into, and I don't think, I've never told this story anywhere, so you're the first. Mm-hmm. we ended up getting in front of Warner Brothers mm-hmm. and Reggie Hudland pitched Max Boost and I don't know if you guys know who Reggie Hudlin is but he eventually became the president of BET Network he is the creator of Boondocks or one of the creators oh dude yeah man. and also uh, and also um, he's the executive producer of Django and Chain. okay so he was my guy back in the day mm-hmm. when uh, you know way before we were super popular or they were super he was super popular but anyways he pitched it and Warner Brothers wanted it so like a lot of entertainment stories and people that are trying to do this mm-hmm. and trying to make it big, like one week before our contract was signed with Warner Brothers, the guy on the inside, John, mm-hmm. got fired. Oh no And way. so our deal died too. And the woman that replaced him wanted nothing to do with what he did. Really? Nothing he started. And it usually happens when people replace the directors of programming. It's just they like they a new sheriff in just town. like, yeah, they take, they just get clean rid of house. And we begged, oh. we groveled, we did everything we could and at that time I spent literally thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and two years of time to get to that point and yeah. it died. So close, man. We we're so close and, and uh, my deal was better than Spongebob Squarepants and Powderpuff yeah, Girls yeah, yeah. and all this stuff and yeah. I was like retired. I was so excited yeah. and then two weeks later it was zero. Yeah. And, and and that's what ended up happening and, and it was sad it was yeah. really tough because i put, put a lot of effort into it my um, you know my family and everyone knew like the sacrifices we made to get to that point and sure. it died kind of died to, it wasn't immediate but i kind of died a slow death after that yeah. you know i was pretty depressed about it and then mm-hmm. i ended up stopping the comic mm-hmm. abruptly and literally thousands or million people were wondering what the heck happened. And we've never I've never told that story. And, and how long ago was this that it sort of ended? Oh, my God. I think about 10 years ago. Oh, okay. So that's why we're back. You're ready to revisit it? And yeah. And so after the recession and after all yeah. these things, cars are coming back to play again. Yeah, they are. If you look at what Honda's doing, they're bringing back the Civic Type R, mm. you know, all the WRXs, the mm. FRS, and all of these things that are happening, the GTR. There's all these things that are sh- that are indicative uh, in 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 the car world that are seeing that the cultures are the cultures coming back. True. And so I see it too. I've been to, we mm-hmm. we'll go to car shows and um yeah. and all this stuff and we're seeing it em- emerge mm-hmm. and I think maybe this might be the right timing and now with it's social media. Yeah. 10 years ago we didn't have social media. We had a million readers. So think about what we could possibly do today. Oh, Now you can doing.
2: control like your own IP and your own empire now. Yeah, that's and what we, we hope. Do it. <laughs> we yeah, Hope absolutely. it's an empire. So, so is we're back. is yeah. the next uh the next version of Max Boost is going to be more modern? as far as the vehicles go or are you going to keep it old school or are you going to oh. mix
19: yeah we're going to mix it we're going to mix it up i think uh you know some of the, we've already gotten responses we just set up a uh instagram with one image and we've got a, almost a thousands of uh, you know a thousand followers already we haven't even really relaunched yet oh very cool but um but yeah one of the questions i asked was, was some of the fans are like oh my god where you been I'm asking them, what do they think? Should we we should do? Should yeah. we start off with where we ended abruptly, or yeah. should we start anew? No. And they want us to continue the story. Oh nice, yeah. man. So, so you're going to continue
2: see. right where you left off, or are you going to include? I think the right where gap. we left off, man. Right. I think
19: we're going to do something where it's like, you know what? Um, we're gonna, we're not going to leave the story untold. So, sure. you know, we're gonna we're gonna. We're going to do all the crazy with, you know, all the characters we have, like Ranch, which is a gorilla yeah. that basically knows how to tune up cars. And he doesn't even need a jack stand because he just picks the car up with his left hand and wrenches it with on it, with his right. You know. Papa Wheelie, <laughs> who's nice. the guru of car racing. And if you don't ever miss a payment, if you uh, <laughs> if you owe him money, you know, those kinds of yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, very. So. Good. And where can where can people find Max Boost? Where can people follow you and kind of yeah.
19: watch the uh, the second generation grow the easiest thing is to go to maxboost.com m a x b o o s t dot com. Yeah, I actually own it, which is awesome. Nice, <laughs> man. That's and huge. Then, and then that'll lead you to our Instagram, which is where we're going to put a lot of this on Instagram because it's very visual. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be at maxboostcomic. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Hello, Dennis. Appreciate Mike, the. Mike, uh, appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, dude. Thank you. All right, best of luck to you. To you, best of luck to you, man. Best of you. Well, hopefully, I'll be, I'll hopefully, we'll you. be so awesome that we get interviewed again (laughs) absolutely man we're
20: following you closely man thanks guys very
19: cool
2: Yep. What's up, Armando? So, what brings you to the San Diego Comic Fest,
20: man? I've been going to Comic Con for 26 years, and this is what I live for. Look. And
2: what's what's your thing, man? What's what
20: what do you like? What do you enjoy about this culture? I'm um, a big um, anything movie-related. Sure, that's, that's my thing. I collect movie posters, you know, custom prints. What kind of movies are you into? What's what's your uh, favorite movies? Oh man, a little bit of everything. I guess I can. My answer would be yes. I like a little bit of everything. Everything? everything, yes. All right. So here's a
2: question: Out of all the recent uh, Marvel movies movies that have come out, right? All the way back to Iron Man 1, to Doctor Strange. Which one is your favorite movie? Ooh, Doctor Strange
20: is Egg. the last one that I've yeah. seen. Yeah, keep in
2: mind there's Guardians of the Galaxy, there's the Thor movies, the Captain America movies, uh, Civil War, Iron Man, uh, The Avengers. Which
20: which would you say? The Captain America movies I really like. They're good, right? They're really good. The storylines are awesome. Hollywood is, they're kind of spitting out a bunch of you know, I mean, the Transformer movies, it's kind of almost insulting to watch. Oh, man. I, sorry if you're a fan. No, I'm not. I'm a, not. <laughs> I'm a big movie goer. I go to uh-huh. movies all the time. And I like taking my son to see these. He's eight years old. And I can sit there and, and actually talk to him about why he liked the movie, what he didn't like about it. And we can have a conversation. I'll tell him, this movie was... Because of this
2: you know what 's funny about the Transformer movies is every time a new one comes out, I always wonder why are they still making these movies
20: it 's <laughs> almost embarrassing to walk out thinking, oh my god i, I can 't believe I just you know wasted an hour and a half of my life that i 'll never get back they 're bad
2: yeah it 's always such a jumbled, confused mess when they 're fighting i 'm not a big fan of the cinematography myself, you know what it's I mean horrible. and it's, it always feels I always feel like Optimus Prime is dying in like every single movie. Every yeah, and every there's always like this movie, in the, the scene in the trailer where it's like Optimus Prime like dying. And it's, dude, how many times are you gonna kill him?
20: They think that we're just gonna eat it up and be okay with it. Yeah. but it, No. It was like
2: these two. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah, they still make billions of dollars. You're
20: right, and that's what it is. They yeah, know you're going to buy a ticket, but if you're a movie goer, yeah. it's kind of like, eh, make it make one yeah. for us," you know? You
2: know what? The, the 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 second Ninja Turtle movie though, I don't think did as well as the first one or the Transformers movies. And that's one that had Bebop and Rocksteady and Casey Jones, and still I, yeah, I might be wrong. I might be wrong. I haven't checked I haven't checked the numbers on this. I haven't checked the data, but I don't think it did very well.
20: We uh did a drive-in on that movie. It was yeah? uh, probably our first one we took our son too. It was entertaining for that reason only. Mm-hmm.
2: That's another one that bugs me, man, is the Ninja Turtles. I think it's just the Michael Bay verse. To me, is is
20: I don't like it, man. I don't like what they've done with the turtles. He's selling his name, you know. He knows that you know he's got fans out there that are just gonna go and buy a ticket because his name is on it, yeah. either as director, or producer, yeah. And yeah, it's a shame.
2: Yeah. Overall, the '80s cartoons have just gotten beat up. GI Joe wasn't very good either. You know, that was. Uh, did you like it? Oh, I did.
20: Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait the wait, GI though.
2: Joe movies?
20: No, not at all. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the cartoons, I did. Oh, the
2: cartoons are legit.
20: But yeah, uh, the, yeah, the awesome. movies, they're horrible. It's just kind of like a B movie with a good budget you know and again they're just kind of slapping things together and thinking oh yeah. this is what you're gonna they're, get they're, they're packaging nostalgia
2: and putting it a, a nice shiny filter on it a little bit of polish and and sending it out there yeah. They haven't they haven't reached the level of of care and quality that the Marvel Studios has done with the Avengers and and their you know their properties. I don't know how many movies are there, thirteen MCU movies, something like that, and the TV shows and the Netflix shows.
20: I mean, Marvel's really done it right. Yeah. I'm, I'm
2: I'm I praise Marvel when it comes to the movies oh, in this culture. Man. Oh, big time, man! It's
20: exciting to know that you're gonna go and see a quality movie like the new, the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Oh. It's Like, oh
2: my god! It's it's already testing it's already testing through the roof. So so how, what do you think about the, uh, the DC Warner Brothers line of movies? Man of Steel, um, uh, Batman vs. Superman, the, Suicide Squad.
20: I, oh, Suicide Squad, I've seen it twice and I saw it twice because I thought maybe I missed something. <laughs> <laughs> the first round, I didn't care for it too much. You know, there was a... Um, there was too much going on. I just felt like they kind of edited something out. Yeah. That's yeah. my personal opinion. Yeah. Did you see it? Yeah, yeah. All right. So what did you think? I mean... I,
2: I had zero expectations. I thought the movie was going to be garbage. Like, I have zero faith in, in Warner Brothers in D.C., and I was pleasantly surprised in that it wasn't completely terrible. There were some enjoyable scenes, but overall, it was not a good movie. It was not a it good movie. It was not a good movie. You know,
20: and I, I was hoping to, be, uh, to take my son to see it, and I thought, just wait. Because it really, it's it's not that great of a movie. I yeah, being honest with them, I'm not really too thrilled with the Superman Batman movies at all.
2: Yeah, and that's unfortunate, man, because they are the biggest names in comics. Superman and Batman are you're, the two most right. recognizable names. Even if you never read a comic in your life, even if you don't like comics, I mean, you can show a kid who's two years old can barely speak the Batman symbol, and he'll be like, "Yeah, it's Batman." I'll
20: tell you right now, I'm gonna tell you something. I have maybe two thousand in my uh, DVD Blu-ray collection. Oh, we wow, don't own man. any of the Superman movies. Really. And if we do, I don't know. Where not, it's even at, the, uh, not even the not even the
2: Superman the movie. Yeah, Richard Donner's. Really oh, good.
20: Uh, I take that back. Yes, I do. Yeah, have yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there are movies that you know. He's eight. And we were watching World War Z just yesterday. You know, and oh, what that do you guys loved. think of World War Z? Don't even get me started. I love it. Do you Number really? one. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like Brad Pitt. I I, I love the, the whole super hot. Yeah. I it, <laughs> <it's> so hot. <laughs> right? I like his movies. I think he makes good quality movies. Yeah. And I I just like I like the way the screenplay was going. And it was very intense and something I can share with my son to me yeah. I mean I tried watching um, 28 Days Later it uh-huh. was a horrible movie what and I, I remember liking it <laughs> Okay, I remember liking it when I saw it in the movie theater yeah but this time around just told my son I didn't care for it uh-huh. so
2: did you read the book World War Z I didn't That's I good could have named the movie anything else because it had nothing to do with the book <laughs> do you do commission work I mean do you have a, I do yeah I do. Do, can, what, do tell us man where can people
20: find you online you can. You can find me on Instagram, Art by Armand, mm-hmm. Art by A-R-M-A-N-D, and Art by Armand on Facebook.
2: Very cool, man. Well, thank you very much for
5: talking to us. Well, thank you. it was awesome. Thanks. All right,
20: so you want to talk WWE. What's your name? Paul.
2: When did you start watching uh, wrestling, then?
5: Uh I've been watching wrestling since I was about seven eight years old i'm 25 right now so then then we might be able to talk
2: on a few things here see i used to watch wrestling back in the uh attitude era
5: okay right yeah Yeah, we're talking
2: stone cold Cold. nwo back in those days now i have sort of fell off i haven't really watched since then yeah so what has changed within
5: you know The Attitude Era and and this current generation. Oh, I was just thinking about this uh, the other day. The new generation has a new way of uh, getting into arguments. You know. Oh, really? Yeah, I would say so because uh, the Attitude Era, you just see guys going up to one another in the back. In yeah. the backstage or yeah. in the locker room just yeah. like hey man what you saying boom they start yeah. beating up on each other and now the Attitude Era is like like for example there's a guy named Roman Reigns mm-hmm. you probably know who he is. Uh, He wants to talk it out with Kevin Owens out in mm-hmm. the ring first mm-hmm. and then after that they'll get in a fight you yeah. know it's not like the Attitude Era where they, where all of a sudden they'll just bash on each other yeah. with chairs and tables yeah. and like kendo sticks. So
2: The, the Attitude the Era brought in a lot of uh like uh, mobs and gangs man. You had like NWO, <laughs> the Heart Foundation <laughs> yeah. You had big clicks. Do, or do, you, right. or, or do those still exist? Do you still have clicks? That
5: that did exist for a mm. meantime. Well, you have your tag team. They're kind of like the little gangs yeah. in a way.
2: Mm-hmm. Who, who's your who's your your all time favorite wrestler man?
5: All time favorite. Oh, all time.
2: Past is- <laughs> present.
5: It's hard. hard. Yeah, it's hard. The, the Rock? Rock, The Rock, Shawn yeah. Michaels. Oh, Shawn uh, Michaels is mine, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, Eddie Guerrero, Rey yeah, Mysterio. Eddie
2: dope, man. Um,
5: it's 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 really hard. Top notch guy, I would say Shawn Michaels.
2: Shawn Michaels? Yeah, Shawn. Michaels. Yeah, man. He's he's been around for a while too. Yeah. He's a performer, dude. He, he he's knows. Awesome. He knows how to wrestle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
5: yeah. Now, yeah. is
2: it true the Undertaker was uh, has been played by different uh, actors? or hasn't been the same no, Undertaker no, the entire time. No, it's world? been the same Undertaker. I don't know, I, man.
5: I, I have not that I've seen that I've been watching. Yeah. I've seen the Undertaker myself, like you, YouTube,
2: you know. YouTube old Undertaker videos, like huh. when, maybe when he first came out. Okay, you're gonna see he looks kind of different, man. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He, maybe well, conspiracy because are... of his age, though. Come on, <laughs> yeah. I'm just. Yeah, saying. no, but <laughs> he's <laughs> coming up with this. Come remarkably on. <laughs> different. I'm just. We're going into conspiracy theories a little yes. bit here, but I. Wrestling? With wrestling, yeah. All right, guys, cool, my cool. are leaving me so. All right, thanks, man. Right. Hey, awesome. Steven, nice to meet you, Steven. So what brings you to the San Diego Comic Fest this weekend?
21: Uh, I'm an artist, and I'm in an oh, Artist nice. Alley. This oh, is nice. my third or fourth one in a row.
2: Third or fourth San Diego Comic Fest in a row? Yes. Oh, nice. Are you native San Diego here?
21: No, I'm from Los Angeles.
2: What si- sort of art do you specialize in?
21: Kaiju. I'm into Godzilla, Pacific Rim, Ultraman, you name it. I just love drawing it. You yeah. grow
2: up watching these uh, those old shows and the old movies? Oh, yeah.
21: Yeah, my wife calls me... Uh, one of the West Coast top aficionados, aficionados? of Godzilla. <laughs> very yeah. cool.
2: And how old were you when you started drawing the uh, you know, the different guys? Four. Wow, really? Yeah. Do you still have any of your old drawings from when you were younger? I
21: have a few from uh, way back when. I don't have them here with me uh, obviously. But yeah, in all the movings and colleges and everything I've lost a lot of them. But I still have very clear memories of being with my buddy Steve Tucker. And we would sit in his playroom mm-hmm. and draw on regular lined paper. uh uh-huh. 30-page-long Ultraman comics.
4: <laughs> oh, that's cool.
21: And uh, I still have very clear images in my head of the things that I drew.
2: I remember the old Ultraman movies. Have they ever done uh, any remakes of the Ultraman? I mean, you got Forgive me, I'm not very well-versed in, in this No, genre. that's fine.
21: Um, Ultraman is one of the few series that has been pretty much on the air since 1966. So it's still on. Yeah. No There have been a few fallow periods where it was down for a few years, mm-hmm. but there have been animated versions. Mm-hmm. It's mostly live-action. The first few series were designed more for older families and older kids. And then it went more towards children because Mm -hmm. in Japan, Ultraman is it. I mean, they know Godzilla, Uh but Ultraman and Ultraman toys are all over the place.
2: Oh, wow. So he's their iconic hero over there. Yeah.
21: Yeah. As a matter of fact, just in the last year or two, they closed down a place that had been open for decades called Ultraman Land. Oh, really? Yeah.
2: It was an entire theme park dedicated to this hero.
21: Yeah. I don't know if it was a theme park entirely terms of rides Uh unfortunately I've never been to the one place I'd like to go which Mm -hmm. is Japan Um,
2: how do you feel about the recent uh, Godzilla incarnations that we were seeing here and the the Hollywood takes on them
21: I thought legendary the uh, Godzilla that came out Gareth Edwards loved Mm -hmm. it Um, I agree with a lot of what people said in terms of the lead character and how the human story left a little to be desired sure but generally I thought they did it a a great deal of respect and it was a lot of fun and gorgeous I mean Mm -hmm. just gorgeous did you hear about Shin Godzilla? No, no, no. Toho did a feature, came out in America just this last year. It was the top ticket-selling feature for last year in Japan. It's very different sensibility because it's a Japanese film, Mm -hmm. but wow, when the creature finally truly lets loose, you could hear the crowd. It was sold out here, (laughs) and I'm looking forward to the anime. They're bringing an anime out.
2: Do you watch uh, any of the newer animes?
21: The most recent anime that I've watched would be um, Attack on Titan. that's a good one. Yeah. That's
2: a really good one. And
21: uh, I really enjoyed the live action version, too. I have
2: not seen the live action version. That was strictly a, uh, a Japanese film. Yeah,
21: straight Japanese adaptation oh, I of the anime. It. I got I to gotta watch it. I yeah, have not seen that one Yeah, it's pretty great. Yet. I always cut filmmakers a great deal of slack. Oh, yeah. I teach film oh, cool. uh, online. I teach for uh, the Colorado State University system. Oh, nice. You know, it's one of the things to talk about to my students when they get mm-hmm. all up in arms about their favorite parts being cut. Yeah. And, like, you got to cut the filmmakers slack something's gotta yeah, go you yeah you can know? you
2: can't please everybody too as well right exactly we're dealing with budget restraints and and things that you can do in animation but might be a little trickier to do or it might not even translate as well as you know into uh, live action as well yeah exactly and where can people find your your
21: art uh, you can find me at wolf tribe studio arts on facebook and uh, i do do commissions and then i'm at uh, sb wolves 72 on deviant art
2: Hi guys, what's your name? Emma. And I'm Luke. I am Emma, Luke, and? And Alexander. So, how are you guys? How are you guys enjoying the uh, San Diego Comic Fest? Good.
22: Yeah, it's great. We love it. What are you
2: guys looking for?
22: Oh, just all kinds of comic stuff. I found some old Masters of the Universe action figures, so I was geeking out over that over at the. Did Deal you Store.
2: collect those when you were younger?
22: Oh yeah, I had just about all of them. I was a huge He-Man fan. Oh nice! You have the like Castle Grey and everything. Oh yeah, and the Snake Mountain. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the little the little speaker that you would talk into. Yeah, to make absolutely. Voice man. Spook.
2: And you found some uh, some uh, Masters of the Universe toys here, the classic
22: ones. Oh yes, yeah, so I got um, two of my favorite villains, Mer. Man and Stinkor. They were terrible with names. They were it, really bad with names. But as a kid, you loved it. I mean, it was simple. No, it's like, oh, here's a skunk, skunk toy that actually smells, and his name's Stinkor, and there you go. He's got to get an axe. What was the name of the vague um, E Man? There was a dude that was like. Fakeor, actually. It was fake. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> sticking, sticking with the originality, the fake he-man was fake or. Yeah, yeah, they
2: had uh, some very interesting names, but they were very cool. Do you read DC, the Masters of the Universe comic? One that they're doing with the crossover with um, Thundercats? There, yeah, there's that one, and then there's the ongoing, I believe it is. Very good series, man. What's that? That one came to end. Oh, did it finally come to an end?
22: Thomas is the big uh, Masters of the Universe fan here. Big time, oh, sweet. Yeah, I didn't watch, I didn't read that one, but I am really getting into the Thundercats, He-Man. Oh, very crossover.
2: cool. Very cool. We see you got some artwork here. You got, is this a commission piece? Uh, yes, it was original pieces. Who is the artist here? Mark Egg, and it's like the uh, the old school Adam West Batman. It almost looks like uh, sort of a side profile. Very nice piece.
22: Yes, it is. I think Adam West is one of my favorite Batman. Oh, is he is he your uh, definitive Batman? I don't want to say definitive. I mean, I really liked. Um, oh, Michael, Michael Keaton. Keaton. Yeah, yeah, Michael Keaton. I think uh, just was kind of the first Batman that I saw, and I think he really encompasses that kind of dark yeah. dark side of it. But uh, Adam West was definitely very fun, and also the uh, the detective side of it. Well, how do you how do you like Ben Affleck as Batman? Actually, I haven't <laughs> seen the new ones yet. You haven't seen any of the new ones? Oh no. Nope,
2: I'm a little behind in the uh, the movie going. Uh, you're, you're not really missing out on much. I, I like Ben Affleck That's as Batman. He's, he looks the part. He definitely looks the part of an older Batman. The movies aren't as great as, you know, let's say the Marvel movies are doing right now.
22: That's my my impression is uh in the comic book world, I feel DC is doing a much better job than Marvel. I think Marvel's kind of oh, yeah. putting out a lot of just generic stuff while DC's getting really in-depth, a lot of their characters. But they just can't put that onto the yeah. big screen. Warner Brothers is just kind of throwing movies out there, hoping people go see them. Exactly. And, and Marvel. Disney are really putting a lot of effort into making their products enjoyable, marketable, fun, action. Oh, I agree. For 100%. That is spot on.
2: Okay, Emma, I see that Emma has a um, commissioned Eevee piece of art here. Who is, who is your favorite Pokemon? Is it Eevee? Uh-huh. And what is your favorite evolution of Eevee? The Night. Oh, wow. I'm not familiar with that one.
6: It's Embryon.
2: Oh, okay, okay.
6: It's a dark type.
2: Very cool.
19: There are different evolutions of Eevee.
2: Oh, there are a lot of different evolutions. Do you know how many uh, Eevee evolutions there are? Uh, a I lot.
19: Think five.
2: Yeah, I think that's about right. You know who my favorite Pokemon is? Jigglypuff
6: too.
22: <laughs> is that right? I, I'm really more of a Squirtle man myself. Uh, <laughs> Squirtle's cool. Squirtle yeah, school. everybody enjoys Jigglypuff. Yeah, it's super cute. <laughs> right, Alexandra, so we found
2: out that Alexander is really into Transformers. Who is your all-time favorite Transformer?
22: Um, the Bumblebee. Bumblebee. I like jazz myself, but
2: jazz is really cool. I was always a fan of the Dinobots. Oh
22: yeah. Yeah, Dino... not, not the
2: movie versions, but the older version. Alexander, do you like the Transformers movies or do you watch the cartoons?
22: Watch the movies.
2: You watch the movies? Okay, guys, well, thank you very much for okay. sitting down and chatting with us. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. Awesome. Hi, so we we have uh, Marceline. Oh, hi. The vampire <laughs> queen today. How are you doing today?
6: I'm um, doing good.
2: So Alex is actually cosplaying an awesome Marceline vampire queen cosplay here. I take it you're a huge fan of Adventure Time?
6: Yes. Well, here's the thing. I watched, like, everyone's going to get mad at me. I watched the first season, and then I stopped because I had, like, other things to do. And then I come back, and then everything got complicated. That happens. Like the Super. The first season of like most kids shows nowadays of like Adventure Time, regular shows, Steven Universe, yeah. Gravity Falls. Everything was like the first season, oh la-di-da. Yeah. You come back and it's like this dramatic thing happens and I'm like, ah.
2: And with Adventure Time, it's not just one dramatic thing. It is it's a, a bunch, bunch of dramatic Yeah, and a
6: bunch of twists and stuff to uh-huh. the whole lore of the series.
2: I got a few seasons in. I got a good part of the way in and I fell off because there were some delays in between seasons. Yeah. And I just kind of fell off and it seems like it's very difficult to get back on.
6: Yeah. With um, a lot of shows, when you have a delay between like seasons and stuff, it's very hard to get back on. But a lot of like uh, shows in Japan, a lot of animes, what they do is that they create like sub episodes in between, so you can still kind of keep up with the series. Yeah,
2: like filler episodes.
6: Yeah, kind of felt like filler episodes.
2: Do you plan on going back and rewatching the uh, the entire series?
6: Oh yeah, I plan on rewatching like a bunch of <laughs> the shows that I've missed. Mm-hmm. In fact, the day that Gravity Falls like finale, I was flipping channels and I was like, oh uh, is um, oh it's Dipper, okay, sure, let me let me just watch this and then like yeah. the end of the series and I'm after it I'm like crying I'm like oh okay <laughs> so that happened yeah
2: there are a lot of cool shows like that now that on the surface they look very silly uh, like yeah. Adventure Time, uh, Bravest Warriors I mean there's even some online Bravest Warriors being Puppycat, yeah. uh, Gravity Falls and then when you get into them you see that they are very in depth the writing yeah. is very good yeah. the characters are very deep mm-hmm. uh, Adventure Time has some of my favorite characters in storytelling of all time Finn yeah. the Human is one one of my favorite sincere heroes. He's uh, yeah. an awesome character. So, so you have only seen season one of it. Yeah. Mentioned. So you don't know Marceline's uh, history with the Ice King. I kind of
6: do because I did one, again, channel surfing. And I saw, oh, this episode yeah. is happening where you see Ice King and Marceline. I was like, huh? So then I watch it. And I kind of got the impression that um, Marceline as a little girl, the Ice King kind of raised her. Yeah.
2: It was honestly, uh, it was a tearjerker episode. It was really good. Yeah, I Adventure remember, Time does that. It's so weird.
6: I know. I remember every time he'd like put on the crown, he would start to get into his like ice, and kind of it's like <laughs> I, ice king thing. And yeah. then she was like, no, stop and I actually legitimately cried, and I never yeah. cried during yeah. anything. I have to be emotionally at- actually emotionally attached to yeah. something to cry, especially in fiction.
2: Well, the, the thing is that uh, when the Ice King puts on the crown, he yeah. loses his memory. He forgets who Marceline is. Yeah. And that's one of the funny things is that throughout the series, Marceline was never really mean to the Ice King and she kind of hangs out with him and you never know why. You think that just because they're bad guys, you know, in air quotes, bad guys, they hang out and they have some sort of a deal. But no, not really. You find out that he actually raised her and and even though he doesn't remember it, Marceline does so she kind of has this like soft
18: spot for him.
6: I feel like uh, he's very much like a father figure to her Mm -hmm. because her real father very—it's like just like, oh, come to the like underworld type thing and like rule with me. (laughs) Basically just wants to make her like this queen of like this demon something. Yeah. And she's like, no. So, I'm very happy that she has another yeah. father figure that for some time was very helpful very helpful. Did you her. watch
2: the uh, Marshall Lee episodes?
6: I've seen a couple. Mm. And I thought they were really interesting to have like a parallel. Yeah. I thought that was I thought that was very interesting. That was very cool.
2: You know what also the uh, Adventure Time does really, really well is the music. The music, oh, yeah. the, the songs that Marceline does, really good. To the point where you yeah. probably would want to listen to an entire album Yeah. yeah. songs of Marceline. Like yeah. if she
6: was a real singer, I'd want to I totally want to listen to her songs. In fact, I memorized the song when the episode when they like stole different stuff and there was like, and there was like the, you have to sing to make it happen. And opening, I remember it was called I'm Just Your Problem and then like, and then like BGP was like, hey, uh, Marceline, that's way too distasteful for a song and she's just like, oh really? Well, sorry, i will you like, I'm like, so good. Yes, Yes. she was awesome. On Uh, her
2: bass. Yes. Yeah, and I have
6: right now. Except it doesn't have any strings.
2: Did you make that yourself?
6: Yeah, I did. I made it last night because yesterday I was like, I'm gonna go to this convention. Oh. I don't have a costume so I was like okay I have a black wig, I have this t-shirt I could cut up yeah. and I was like okay you know what I'm gonna make the costume and I already sprayed my boots to uh-huh. look maroon. The one thing I had to do was make this guitar and I stayed up until 3am doing this. Nice. And I didn't even put strings on it because I was super tired and I was like I was like cutting things wrong and I was like oh yeah. no okay I'm way too tired I have to
9: go to bed. <laughs> That's fine we're gonna go with what we got.
6: Yeah but I'm very very proud of it. I, I've learned how to make stuff like this and it was very to me I not to but I thought it was actually kind of easy and I'm thinking wow I actually can do this stuff wow very cool I'm not useless okay
2: very cool no absolutely you did a very good job with the costume and with the axe base it's it's very very nice well thank you very much for talking to us Mm -hmm. and I want to take a picture with you right now meeting some very nice folks out here today and it's very interesting we have uh uh large mixture of folks that are into comics, anime, wrestling. Uh, what else did we have? Uh, uh, oh, I know I'm gonna mispronounce this. Uh, Kaiji? The Japanese animation and Japanese culture. Um, so a very eclectic group of people today. Very cool, though. Good conversations. Resuming our
3: date with the X's, we're going to yes. go down the list of our X-Men characters as they were introduced into the X-Men series. Um, we're going with pretty much uh, what we're labeling the
9: 1980s yes. X-Men.
2: So many good characters came out of the 80s. I mean... There was uh, a lot of
3: good
9: ones. The
2: it's, it's hard to really pick a golden era for um, X-Men because there's there are so many good eras, so many good writers, so many good artists. Uh, the 90s were awesome for the X-Men as well. The 90s were really good. They were good. Uh, some of our best characters came out of uh, the
3: 90s, like... Adam X. Adam X, yeah. <laughs>
2: thank you for letting me say it (laughs) yes yes. Um, so let's go ahead and go down the list so as you guys can remember or uh, just to remind you the way we're doing this is we're going down the list we're grading them from 1 to 10 grading them from 1 to 10 on costumes powers and then giving them an overall score for example if uh, Gambit gets a 10 for his costume he gets a 10 for his powers and he gets a 10 overall he gets the perfect score of 30 not at all biased spoiler alert not at all biased (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna come back to that in a moment. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get started, man. You want to kick us okay. off?
3: Alright, so right at the top of the list the one of the first characters to join in the 80s in the X-Men was none other than Kitty Pride, who went by several names like Sprite, Ariel, and what most people know her as Shadowcat. Shadowcat.
2: Did you know this uh, little known fact, since we're kind of on a theme of the X-Men animated series, in the X-Men animated series, they uh, Fox wanted to use Shadowcat as uh, one of the main characters, but the, the writers, the creators of the show, they decided on Jubilee instead. Really? Looking back now, you think, well, it makes sense. Jubilee, 90s. She was
3: popular in the 90s.
2: But at that time that they used Jubilee, she had only recently been introduced to the X Men. So she became popular because of the animated series. But, that's anyways, that's an probably aside. Correct. We're not talking about Jubilee. We're talking about Shadow. I just thought that was interesting that we could that have is. had a Shadow Cat. Which Shadow Cat never made a, an appearance on the animated series.
3: Never. Not nope. even once. Nope. Not even like a background character. Nope like you no. see on the uh, Sentinel Island. No.
2: They kept her out. Even during the Days of Future past episodes, they replaced her with, do you remember who? Bishop. Oh,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
2: they, they replaced was Bishop with Bishop. Yeah. Yeah, that's Bishop right. was the time traveler, which was a cool take. But anyways, Shadowcat, man.
3: What'd you get? For her costume, uh, she's had a, a number of costumes. Um, one of the first costumes that I really remember was Shadowcat, and you're probably not going to remember if you don't know the comic, um, but in Uncanny X-Men 149, she had like a, like a big face costume and there was like all these designs, and she wore roller skates
2: she wore roller skates so she, she wore was
3: roller skates like when she was she, didn't think about Dazzler? she pretty much stole that costume
2: there is a second roller skated x-men yes and ah. it was
3: kitty pride um nice. and that's like one of the costumes i remember from kitty pride she had joined early on but and she went through a bunch of costumes really fast but that one stuck out because it was so colorful yeah and so horrible yeah but so overall, I gave Kitty pride. So
2: you're judging her costume, or you're grading her costume
3: overall, like okay. every kind of costume she's had. Sure, she's never had anything that really stood out. Mm-hmm. So I gave her costume a six, a little bit over average.
2: I gave her, I gave her a six as well. So we're kind of on par on that.
3: And then what did you give her for powers?
2: I gave her power set a nine, surprisingly high.
3: Nine. Yeah. I gave her an eight. You gave her an eight, yeah. Gave her an eight. I like. I did like that when she phased through like anything mechanical. She, she shorts actually, it. Yeah, she shorts it. That's yeah. kind of a cool like little yeah. touch. Yeah.
2: Just just to add that little like little twist yeah. is really cool. I do like that.
3: And then overall, what did you yeah. give Miss Pride?
2: I gave her a name. Yeah. Okay. I gave her a name. I, I like the fact that she's this young female Jewish girl. So she has, you know, layers and
3: layers. So you know. many people don't remember the Jewish thing. That's yeah. actually really cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually gave her a nine. She also has one of my favorite stories, which is Kitty Pride's um, fairy tale on Kitty X 153. Yes. Yes. With the little BAMFs and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Love that story.
2: So next. Next on the list, we're not straying too far off here, is Kitty Pryde's,
3: uh sidekick, Lockheed. All right. So he, I'm just going to say it now, he pretty much almost scored perfect with me. He has a 29. <laughs> he has a 29. All right. So we're we're going to have a, a little discussion here. <laughs> so it was a 10, 9, 10 for me. So a 10, 10 9, for a costume. I love how Lockheed looks. The design of Lockheed is really awesome. Nine for the powers because, it, you know, he just breathes fire. And then the overall is also a 10 because I, I just love Lockheed
2: let me show like Lockheed
3: can do no wrong dude
2: apparently yeah yeah um, I gave him a one for costume
3: what he's a a
2: little purple dragon. He <laughs> felt a little out of place for me because I came in reading comics in the 90s. So I always wondered why this girl had this dragon along with her, which whatever. But I thought just that was weird. Did you
3: ever go back and no. read? That's what I was going to
2: ask you. Can you can you give us a little bit of background right. on Lockheed? I'm going to
3: make you change your answer right Let's now. You can't be crying. So <laughs> as you know, the X-Men get kidnapped by the brood, right? Yeah. Through X-Men 161 through basically 166. They think they are talking to one of the Shire, but it's... It's actually the Brood Queen impersonating and mm. like doing this whole illusion thing. Okay. Implants him each with an egg, and so they each struggle with an egg. Like in X Men One Hundred and Sixty Two, it's Wolverine basically over his healing factor overcoming the egg. Like the egg can't reshape his body because of his adamantium bones. Yeah,
2: which was which is um that's the Wolverine as the Brood cover, right? Where yeah, he's where like he's on the cover and he's
3: all cut up and one stuff. One
2: of one of the most iconic X Men covers. Yes, I agree. It is one of the best covers. Which yes. is dope.
3: Yeah. I actually agree. That is a great cover. So that's 162. So 163 basically takes it from Kitty's point of view, fighting a brood who is trying to capture her, and she goes into an airlock and struggles with the idea of, if I press the airlock, this this brood is going out into space and it's going to die. Eventually does it. Boom. Does the airlock. Brood goes out. It dies. 164 goes with Carol. Um, the brood are experimenting on her. Unleashes this power. She becomes binary.
2: Which you love binary, by the way. Yeah, yes. Another oh side note. Oh my god. <laughs> it's awesome. this, this, is a, this rabbit hole goes yeah. deep. <laughs> it
3: goes way deep. So 165 <laughs> is Storm dealing with the brood growing inside her, she can sense it, it's life, she doesn't know what to do. She binds with one of those space whales, the Encanti, I mm-hmm. think they're called. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, like I always do. Yeah. And then in 166 is the big battle. All the X-Men are back together, they're fighting the brood, and they um, get to the brood queen, to fight fighter. And Kitty Pride is running through this hallway, basically, and being chased by brood. And Lockheed shows up and fries oh. them all and kills all the brood and you so he's Supposedly, an alien. yeah and basically when the X-Men teleport off of the brood world when it gets destroyed he teleports with them but he shows up in 168 when the I always call him the Sidri that sounds right yeah, yeah the dudes who shoot red beans yeah. he shows up to help Kitty again against those dudes mm-hmm. cuz they've infested the basement for whatever reason so I've always liked Lockheed so that's <laughs> his story <laughs> Have I convinced you to change your answer yet No no not at all <laughs> <laughs> alright next on our list is our favorite southern belle oh my god Rogue one of the things that I've always loved is that cover mm. of Rogue running Colossus is chasing her and it says welcome to the X-Men I hope you survive the experience I use that all the time well not to the X-Men but I say welcome to blank oh, yeah. hope, you hope you survive the experience, the experience. Yeah. so it's
2: so Rogue is uh, she for me okay well let's just go through the scores I'll just real quick 9 for costume 9 for powers 10 overall.
3: alright I did eight, 8 9
2: she now the the power set is comes into question because her power set is absorbing mutant powers. The power set that most people know her for, well, the super strength. It's, yeah, it's I'm sorry, absorbing, ab- absorbing any- anything. Yeah. yeah, anything. Life mutant, energy, life yeah. force. Yeah,
3: mutant doesn't matter. But if she
2: does absorb, she uh, through skin contact, right? But most people know her as being able to fly, super, super strong, super strength, yeah, basically uh, Miss Marvel's power set because yes. she absorbed Miss Marvel's powers.
3: Good story too. Avengers Annual number ten. <laughs> Dropping knowledge. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. I'm going to do another callback to X-Men the Animated Series. The voice actress for Roe was so spot on.
3: What if I'd been lying about not being able to touch
19: another human being? What if I could, if I wanted to?
4: What's this supposed to mean to me?
19: Come up to the rec room in five minutes and I'll show you
3: yes she was perfect that's exactly how i imagined rogue sounding
2: she that's exactly how she will sound forever the voice actress was was perfect how some people say mark hamill is the joker he's there's one of their favorite jokers because when they read the joker they read the joker in mark hamill's voice from batman the animated series when i think of rogue i think of rogue rogue's voice from the animated series she's amazing
3: so there's that line in the x-men animated series where she says um
6: you look nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs
3: I was like, that's like such like a Southern, in my head, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's actually like a Southern saying. And
2: can, can we just take a second to uh, talk about the voice acting in the X-Men animated series was so good. Yeah. Gambit, Rogue, Jubilee, Storm, Jean Grey, Cyclops, Beast. I mean, those were essentially the... Those
3: were the voices. Those were, they nailed it. Yeah. hundred percent. I agree. The way they did the X-Men animated series suddenly defined how I hear each of the X-Men, like even Gambit, like every Every time I hear hear Gambit in my head, it's that... I like solitaire,
2: okay? Unless I got someone to play with.
3: Freaking right out of the
2: cartoon, dude. Yeah. Right out exactly. of the cartoon. Exactly. Rogue, uh, I do have a soft spot for Rogue because she was the love interest to my favorite character. The conflict between her not being able to touch him and him being a womanizer, and of course, he falls for a girl that he can have. It can't. was it was perfect. And she's not a damsel in distress. She's one of the strongest female, characters, female yes. characters in the X-Men. So it's not like she was a weak character that they constantly had to save. She was their heavy hitter. Yeah. One of the coolest scenes in the comic for one of the coolest Rogue and Gambit scenes uh, was right before the Age of Apocalypse when time freezes just as Remy and Rogue are like kissing Kissing. and they freeze in that state. That was a really cool clip. Isn't
3: that... That's the X Men Twenty Four where the the cover is. The cover is right. Yeah. Yeah, with the red background. Yep. Yeah. And there was there was
2: a lot of cool stuff that happened with the strong guy having a heart attack, attack. and a lot of cool stuff happened. But that was one of those moments where it was like, what? what? Yes. Why are you stopping here? That was awesome. (laughs) And then also the Age of Apocalypse delivered, which was. Really cool. She's one of the coolest X-Men characters yes. to me. She's one of the iconic X-Men characters for sure.
3: So what I find interesting is the the change that Rogue went through when she first appeared in the X-Men in Uncanny X-Men 158. She had the short hair, yeah, like the angry eyebrow kind of yeah. look. When we see her actually officially join the X-Men, they they softened up everything. Like in 171, it's still kind of short, but mm. as it progressed, like her hair suddenly got bigger and bigger and longer and longer. Yeah. So it's interesting that when they made her a hero they made her also more attractive and what's so funny is in her original appearance she does have the white streak but it's on the sides of her head yeah yeah and then it went from the sides mysteriously just to right down the middle like a skunk
2: (laughs) rachel summers phoenix rachel summers is she's uh, one of the first of these sort of alternate universe timeline type characters which would uh, event Uh, now they're super common what did you give Rachel Summers.
3: I'm sure I've made it clear everywhere from podcast to blog. I'm not a fan of the time displaced characters, more so, especially if there is already a version of them that exists. Rachel doesn't have a counterpart, but I feel like she was the gateway for time displaced characters to start happening. And because of that, I kind of have a dislike towards her. If we were to do this like 10 years ago, I might've rated her higher, Yeah. but I gave her a three, five, one. Oh wow. I don't care for her costume. It's. You don't know, like the spikes? The hound costume, that yeah. one? Yeah, it's pretty it. hot. Why don't you like Adam Max? <laughs> he has I'm going to bl- bring it back! Because he has
12: blades, and he's not blades. a chick, and he's not a redhead.
3: A time displaced character. She's just like Jean Grey. She has the Phoenix Force, which, you know, back then it was cool, but I've actually gotten sincerely tired of the whole Phoenix storyline. They've melted. much.
2: Too much.
3: Yeah, everyone's had the Phoenix Force. It's, it was—it's like a venereal disease. They've done <laughs> the x
2: the Phoenix Five in the Avengers versus X Men. Yep. This this Phoenix is the Phoenix Force. Jean Grey has come back and died so many times.
3: The way I see it, she's become a parody of herself. Yes. Right. Yes. She's like, I'm gene Grey. I'll be back. Yeah. Oh, she's back. She died. Don't even hold your breath. She'll be yeah. right back. She'll be she'll be right back. <laughs> she's just going to the bathroom. It may she'll be, be back. a few
2: months. It may be a few years. But she eventually, a writer's going to come along and say, "Okay, I think I'm going to yeah. bring Jean Phoenix back.
3: Force." She's it's Okay. Yeah.
2: No, no. Every every time they do it, it cheapens it a little more,
3: a lot more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just I mean, not at even a little anymore. At
2: this point, there's nothing left in the tank. Watch the animated series. They do the Phoenix story there as well. And Anyways, they, it, they
3: actually do it good. In they that. do it really good. That was actually they they involve the shire. They yeah. do the whole thing. Yeah close as they can to yeah. the comic. Oh, oh my God. Uh, the, uh, the
2: animated series, I, I can't praise enough. It was a condensed version of the entire history of the X-Men. X-Men. Yes. You may- All right, so I gave a Phoenix a 7 for the costume. I do like her costume. I do like... What would you call it? The yeah. Mad Dog
3: costume? The Hound costume. The That's hound what costume. she was called. Okay. Was back then, she was actually a hound. She used to hunt down mutants.
2: For her power set, I, I gave her power set a 1. Yep. Not based on the actual power set, but it's a copy of an existing power Overall, I give her a 14. The majority of her points are because she's a redhead. Redheads yeah, are hot. I have a, a soft spot for the Summers characters. And it, she was, she was it a legit except Summers. Except for
3: Adam X. He was not the Summers. Catherine Summers. I thought that was retconned. No, that's not retconned. It's just not confirmed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, except just for saying, that guy. It's the
3: son of Daken. We know that much. That okay. is confirmed. So and sorry. he has blonde hair. If I no had one to, in the had to list blonde hair. All,
2: if I had to list them all he would probably be at the bottom. The bottom.
3: All right. I swear I'm going to buy every appearance and give it to you. All five. (laughs) All five of them. (laughs) Next one, we move to the master of magnetism, none other than Magneto. Magneto.
2: But Thomas, Magneto came out in 1963 in X-Men 1. Why are we
3: seeing him in the 80s list?
2: Because he did not
3: join the X-Men until 200.
2: I'll start this one off. I gave his costume an 8, and I'm going off the classic red and purple with the helmet and the big bolts on his chest. Only Um, an 8? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It it is iconic. Um, (laughs) His power set is a 9, a very cool
3: power set. I'm curious, do you have a favorite Magneto moment where you're like, oh, dude, I'm wondering if it's the same as mine? It's actually the, the finale of Age of Apocalypse. So, after all this buildup, after all this,
2: they finally face off and Magneto rips Apocalypse in half. And that, that was such a good panel, too, the, the scene where he's yeah. splitting him. It was really cool.
3: So, for me, I gave Magneto a nine, an eight, and a seven. Like, I loved his costume, like his original costume. Dude, why like, are you whenever- giving
2: me a hard time? That was like. That that's a the whole exact point same numbers. I give him, him an eight, nine, and seven. You give him a nine, eight, and seven. I know, and but, you're like, uh, how could you?
3: I have to say, my favorite Magneto moment had to be when he ripped the adamantium out of Wolverine. Oh, out of Wolverine. Yeah, that was cool. Like, I didn't like the after effect of Wolverine being super feral and the bone things. So next up, we have someone who is a visitor from Mojo World, none other than the four-fingered Longshot. Longshot. Such right. a cool character. Really? Okay, yes. so we're gonna agree on him. Yes.
2: And he's strange because on the surface, if you were to tell me that you have a leather jacket-wearing mulleted, <laughs> lucky character, he sounds goofy, but he comes in like such a bad yep. a- he looks like like a Billy Idol he's cool he throws man. razor blades he throws razor blades <laughs> yeah what's what's Longshot's power set
3: well he has two so he has the ability when his thoughts are pure to have good luck and he also has the ability to touch something and it's Post cognition, mm-hmm. so if he touches like uh, a book, he can see who touched it last and kind mm-hmm. of see part of their life.
2: So what did you? What score did you give Longshot? Oh,
3: I gave Longshot a 9 10 and a ten
2: for his costume. I gave him an eight.
3: An eight? Yeah. No,
2: no, I'm just kidding, kidding.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's a point different.
2: <laughs> yeah. Longshot has one of the coolest characters with the leather jacket and the spiky mulleted look that he has. He's really cool. Yeah. I agree. Overall, I gave him a ten because he's such a cool and unique character, and he's not overused either. No, when not at all. usually when he comes around, we're talking Mojo, Mojo, Mojo's always and, fun. Yeah, those are always fun. Yeah, I, I like those. Some of my favorite. And now we are going to introduce another one of my favorite iconic x-men characters and that is
3: she was an english woman who through siege perilous became a ninja assassin
2: yeah like, we that's... are talking
3: about none other than psylocke
2: psylocke Absolutely. And she was one of the characters that, when I started reading the X-Men, she was front and center. She was on the blue team, which is Your arguably team. one of yeah. the best X-Men team yeah. ever assembled. What was it like? She was like, it was, she's a purple-haired Asian ninja psychic assassin. So for her costume, I gave her a 10. Same. She fights in a bathing suit. Sure, why not? For her power set, I gave her a 10 because it was a unique take on sort of a, you know... The, a telepathy. Telepathy already exists, but she what she would do was she would fashion telepathic daggers from her fists, yep. and she would stab people in the head, which was really cool. And it was a really cool visual as well to see yes. her, like, have somebody by the neck or by the throat and just sort Stick of... Sticking the blade. Right through their head. Yeah, yep. right through their temple. I liked her. Overall, I gave her a 9. Wow, see, I gave her a perfect 10-10-10. 10-10-10? To me, I feel like uh, she is a bit underused as well. Oh, so so what did you think of Psylocke from the uh, Apocalypse movie?
3: So, with the Apocalypse movie, we sort of covered it with our previous podcast where we covered the Age of Apocalypse. They nailed the look. With her movie presence, though, they they didn't use her. Like, they didn't use her. Like, she... She has, like, one line.
2: Yeah. Next on the list is one of our favorite characters, if, if not uh, your wife Amy's <laughs> absolute favorite character. The mutant that dazzles us all. <laughs> Dazzler. Dazzler is interesting because she was sort of based on I forget who it was an actual artist and then the artist backed out so they just kept her as Dazzler so as a side note if you guys have a chance go on YouTube and look up Alison Blair The Side of Sound it's a music video by our friends over at uh, Greasy Pig Studios and it's a music video starring Alison Blair as Dazzler and you have um, cameos by Longshot and some other X-Men it's really cool it's really well Well done. Check it out. So for Dazzler, I gave her look uh, an 8. The blue
3: suit with the brown jacket, it's really cool. What is Dazzler's power set? So Dazzler possesses the ability to absorb sound Mm -hmm. and convert it into light, basically, and she uses that light in a form of, like, a laser. Alright, so that's Dazzler. Up next on the list, we have another sort of uh, uh, another 80s side character
2: that would play very important roles in stories. Um, he was, yeah, he was sort of a love interest of Storm at one point. Took her powers. She was kind of upset by that. Um, and that's Forge,
3: one of uh, the few Native American yep. uh, X-Men. I'm normally a big fan of the Native American characters. Like, mm. not just X-Men, just any Native American character Thank I never got into Forge. Me
2: neither. I don't know why. Never
3: got into him. I like his power. Like, that he can do anything with technology, right? Like, yeah. if he needs a gun that can wipe out mutant powers, give him, like, a half hour. He's yeah. got it.
2: His mutant power is to be able to... It's a power of invention. Yeah. Is basically it's essentially
3: it. it. I, I felt like he was sort of a
2: um, Banshee-type character where he whoa, had whoa, the whoa. potential... No, no, no. Now, <laughs> it's like, hold on. I am not like saying it, I'm not saying <laughs> it as a bad thing. It's just, like, they had so much potential for like richness but they never really did anything yeah. super cool with them power set of an 8 that, that, that was that was a unique power you had to really think outside the box
3: to, to create that like power set so there was a dude in Alpha Flight who had that same exact power and I believe he predates Forge Oh, really? I believe so. His name's Box. Uh We can double-check it. Oh, wait. We don't have internet. Yeah. Damn it. On our phones, maybe. Oh, wait.
2: Dude, they use Alpha Flight in the uh, X-Men, the animated series, too. Yes, they do. And they do a pretty good job, except for
3: Puck. Puck has a really high-pitched voice. Yeah, he does. So, Madison Jeffries, we're loading it up right now. First Spirit in Alpha Flight number 16 in 1984. And uh, he had the techno-kinetic ability to reshape plastic, metal, or glass to any shape desired. Technopathic ability to mentally communicate with AI, such as machines and robots, which allowed him to switch into whatever he needed.
2: What What was his first appearance?
3: His first appearance was in Alpha Flight 16, 1984. What month? Ooh, looks like Forge is 1984.
2: <laughs> Forge. His first appearance was in Uncanny X-Men 184 in August of 1984.
3: Ooh, looks like Madison was in November. <laughs>
2: Awesome. Oh, <laughs> Forge beat him out. Next up on the list is a uh, little-known character. We'll just skip him. He's, uh, he's yeah, not even
3: worth mentioning.
2: He is one of the coolest characters.
3: Unbiased view.
2: Unbiased. It's Gambit. He got 10 all across the board for me. What? Yeah, uh, he's one of the How? coolest characters ever because he was
3: awesome. He got a 29 with me. The only place he scored a 9 overall.
2: So Gambit has been one of my favorites. I mean, uh, Wolverine is always, of course, I have too many favorites. I was going to say Cyclops <laughs> 2 and Silo. and Jean Grey and Storm
3: it's hard to create a
2: character like that that comes off as likable and not have him be like a leisure suits Larry type of character
3: funny yeah yeah So next up on the list we have none other than Jubilation Lee. Jubilee was really cool because she was a. Ooh, we're rat. gonna
2: disagree here. You don't like Jubilee? Carry on. <laughs> I like Jubilee because she was an Asian character first of all. So she was a, an ethnic character, but she was very Valley Girl, very much a mall rat. Like I think some of her best stories were in the Wolverine comic when she was sort of Wolverine sidekick.
3: Where did you see Jubilee first? Was it in the comic? First, or did you see her in the cartoon first?
2: No, it was in the comics.
3: It was in the. So you saw her first in the comics? Yes. So then what'd you score for her for? For
2: her costume. Get this? I gave her a nine.
3: So she looks just like Robin, and you gave her a nine? Yes. For originality?
2: Yes. So I gave her a nine because she looks like Robin, but she's a girl. Okay, so Jubilee for her power set, she got a seven. What? And, uh, she
3: shot fireworks. How do you hate Adam X so much? I don't know,
2: man. She just seemed like a really likable character. I'm
3: basing my scores off the comic, and I gave her a two, a one, and a one. Wow. Wear sunglasses yeah. on her our- head. Oh and God.
2: popping and popping bubblegum. Right, the big How did pink did you hate Adam them?
3: X so much? Because, because these are the things that conflict me. When because, you're like, I because, hate Adam X. Because Adam, Adam, Adam,
2: Adam, X was trying too hard. He was trying way too the hard. Girl who
3: looks like Robin.
2: He, he braided. He braided his hair. Like you're, a, you're an adult, dude.
3: Blades and braids. What more do you need? But, and the
2: thing is, I don't think Jubilee was necessarily like <laughs> on the blue team, was she?
3: No. No. She, no. No, she wasn't. She was... Her
2: popularity literally, her popularity literally came from the yes. anim, animated show. Yes.
3: Like, if I were to base this on the cartoon, she would have probably scored, like, eights across the board. Yeah. No. Because I thought she was super effective in the cartoon. I actually, I actually liked the actress who played her. I thought she was way more useful in the cartoon. You
2: like. want to hear some cool trivia? Let's hear it. So the animated series came out in 1992. Right. And
3: in the episode
2: of Days of Future, Future Past, Past, they have the X-Men. The X-Men, of course, have... have have died and they have a tombstone and her death is in 2010 if you read the comics in 2010 that is the year that jubilee actually dies and becomes the vampire jubilee really so they predicted her death up next on
3: the list another time displaced character it is not a king it's not a queen it is a bishop oh bishop oh come on now (laughs) i'm just kidding
2: he was He's another Time Displaced character, but he is one of the few characters that was actually done really well.
3: I loved everything about Bishop. Like, yeah. I gave him a 10-10-9. I loved yeah. his costume, loved his power, loved his look, loved his attitude, loved his whole story. Him and Gambit have this big... Knockout, drag out fight.
9: He had a really
2: cool introduction where yes. he came back looking for the assassin. He was looking for the mutant assassin.
3: Yeah, the one who would basically bring the end of the X Men.
2: Yep, identifies Gambit yeah. and goes after him.
3: Yep. So, what were your scores for Bishop?
2: For Bishop, he got an eight for the costume. I, I am a fan of the costume. I like his like future X Men XSE XSE costume. costume. With the red yeah, with the red bandana, it's it's awesome um, looks. And he had the the M tattoo oh, dude, on his that. eye. This sort of harken back to um, how the, you know, the Nazis would tattoo, tattoo. the serial numbers yep. on you know on the forearms of, of the Jewish people. He had a brand over his it's eye to, to say that he mutant. was a mutant. His power set, he got a 9. Now, now, you may correct me if I'm wrong, but that was kind of a new thing at that, that time, was new. right? So,
3: like, you had... Havoc, who had a similar thing, right? He absorbs solar power. Solar power. To re- yeah. But Bishop is the first one I can remember who would take energy that's directed at him and then mm-hmm. redirect it through his fist and use it as an energy blast. Cool. What did you think of, I don't know if you remember his, his two um, teammates? Uh, Randall and Malcolm,
2: dude. Why they, they really killed those guys? Did they was, ever bring them
3: back? No,
2: they never did. Did they? No,
3: I was so pissed.
2: All right, who do we have next on the list?
3: Next, uh, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Revanchi. How, how would you pronounce it? I don't know. I should have let you pronounce it. First. <laughs> I would have been. I would have probably said Revanche. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. Explain
2: Revanchi to us, please.
3: She is the other body of Betsy, of Betsy Braddock. Basically, she had come back and was temporarily very sh- very short period of time in X-Men. Mm-hmm. So she was basically another telepath, but not as Psylocke, but as the original. And she eventually died of the legacy virus, legacy if, virus. if I remember correctly.
2: She was a bit confusing to me. I didn't understand why we had two Psylocke's. So Revanchi got a one-one-one for me.
3: For me, she got a two-seven and a five. Not very high scores for pretty much the same reason.
2: So after Ravanchi, we have one of my one of my favorite sort of um, lesser-known characters that hasn't really lesser-known in the mainstream. You know, he was supposed to be Negasonic in uh, in, in Deadpool. Uh, Deadpool, but they decided to go a different direction.
3: Uh, you know, I can see it because they're kind of similar. That part where she charges the chick. Yeah, exactly. That could have fully been Cannonball.
2: Oh, we're talking about Cannibal, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> spoiler we alert. We should introduce <laughs> the character. So we're talking about Cannonball. So uh, Cannonball is a very cool character who sort of rockets himself as his mutant power and becomes, becomes invulnerable while he's while he's blasting. Yeah, he's blasting, yeah. Love it, dude. Yeah, he was really cool. And he had his really cool leather helmet with the straps hanging dude, down. You like that version but yeah, with the goggles. Oh. You don't like that version?
3: <laughs> no. Dude, it was my cool. favorite version of him is the New Mutants version. The standard, like, black and yellow X Men costume. It was just
2: cool. He was one of those cool characters. He was likable. So, quick question
3: Did you actually read New Mutants? Like no, me? I
2: never read New Mutants. Uh,
3: Dude.
4: <laughs>
3: Dude. Oh, my God. So you have to read the first 17 issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Bob McCloud is the artist. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And Chris Claremont, writer, dude. Remember when we were talking about the Brood thing with the X-Men and Lockheed and all that stuff? So in X-Men 167, um, it, it literally starts with introducing the New Mutants. Uh, It's not their first appearance. Their first appearance is a New Mutants graphic novel. Mm. But they're, like, all watching Magnum P.I. and stuff on Mm. TV. Oh, cool. And that's when the X-Men come back from the whole brood thing, and they discover that Professor X is a brood, and they're attacking Professor X, and the New Mutants are like, what are you doing? Like, they don't know who these X-Men are. And Professor X, basically, you learn that Professor X brought these new mutants to basically put a brood egg in them Mm -hmm. that's the original reason he brought the new mutants together oh wow so i gave cannonball
2: a nine for the costume i I do like the costume with the straps it's sort of his x-force costume yeah and um i gave him a 10 for his power set and then overall i gave him a 10 so he got a 9 10 10 for a total of 29 he's one of the cooler mutants
3: yeah he is i gave him a 997
2: Oh, spoiler alert. So the, the last four are uh, Joseph, Dr. Cecilia Reyes, Mero, and Thomas's personal favorite, Maggot.
3: So let me just say this right now. This is why I said we should just do the last four. All four of them? Uh-huh. One, one, one for me. I, I'm right there with you. All I right. gave them all ones. So I'll just quickly go over it. Joseph, it. he's basically a clone of Magneto, yeah. essentially. We've already seen Magneto. We've seen the better version of Magneto. This is just a <laughs> version of Magneto. He's like magneto light. Dr. Cecilia Reyes. She has, I'm trying to remember, it's like a a force field or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Morrow. Got it. She's a Morlock. Uh, I might have given her a two somewhere. Mm. I just couldn't stand her. She was, of all the Morlocks that we ever saw, she was one of the worst. Maggot was perhaps one of the worst characters in X-Men history for me.
2: Cool. So there you have it. Those were the 1980s uh, characters. We went over Shadowcat, Lockheed, Rogue, Rachel Summers, Magneto, Longshot, Psylocke, Dazzler, Forge, of course, Gambit, Jubilee, (laughs) Bishop,
3: Revenchy, Cannonball, and then some others. And if there's anything that we've said that you agree or disagree on, we'd love to hear any feedback you have. All right, guys. And then, so that's going to do it for today. Signing off. And it's been an amazing day. Like, I want to thank everyone (laughs) who has come by and sat down, basically with Michael, because I make him do all the work for the interviews and he's done a knockout job like whatever conversation came up Michael handled handle it like a freaking pro dude thanks thank you for listening to the comic relief podcast we
2: hope you'll join us next time as we continue to discuss all things
3: comic book related and until then make mine marvel and dc and independent I'd like to give special thanks to Adam Johnson who did the heavy metal version of the classic X-Men animated cartoon series theme song that you hear in the beginning and the end. You can find Adam Johnson's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash user forward slash AJ heretic 666. You can also find him at adamjohnsonuk.bandcamp.com He is also on iTunes. You can also find him on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Adam Johnson Music. And he is on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Adam J Music UK.
2: So Wolver- we just swallowed a bug. <laughs> <laughs> it's nutritious and delicious. Yes. Protein. Uh, On Atkins diet.
8: No, <laughs> <laughs> oh we
2: Did we do the 19? No, oh, yeah, we're in the 1980s. Okay. We're in the 80s. We're in the 80s.
3: I mean not right now. I love.
2: I mean you're stuck uh, in the 80s for I, sure. Right? I have <laughs> always been in the 80s. <laughs> Very cool. Thank you guys. Appreciate Thank it.
0: Thank
1: you. we do have a couple of requests. for Okay. So for the, yeah, so those are the Oh,
0: yeah. Can I leave a couple a few here in a stack? Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. And so that just that has the website and the Twitter feed sure. on. Julia, you dropped these off yesterday. Oh. Well, so oh, sure. <laughs> you
2: guys sign at these. Oh. Finish you have the
0: marker? I actually have a marker. Oh.
1: Yeah, we're 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 Get, getting better at this, but yeah, this <laughs> I'm was getting better at that. Yeah, so, so it just gives you an idea of the dates. We had the first it was February seventeenth when we started, so this was twenty three days later. We had all thirteen ep- uh, stories laid out and the first draft of the first two scripts, and that's Mark's working really fast.
0: Wow. And j- FYI yesterday... No, the 17th, the 17th. February 17th was... Was the absolute
1: 25th anniversary of the, the day that we all came together for the green light of the of the of doing oh, the wow. show. Marvel and Saban and Fox mm-hmm. and Gras, everybody in one room. We're going to do... We're going to make, make a TV show. that so was the 17th of February. Wow,
16: that's...
0: The day before, Eric had been called in... To work on what would have been what what was at the time. Oh, here it's gonna bleed. Yeah, use a, use a napkin. I'll use it. Um, uh, uh, yeah, we don't I, want I, it to leak on the carpet. Uh, it's,
1: it's, yeah, yeah. Fox had called and said, "Are you free? We might not need you to to head up the writing on the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes." Okay, it's so a job. I I'm said pregnant. Yes, yes let's yeah. do that. Another go. guy, another guy, did, just making sure they were free, had the same call. Uh, Will Minio did, and then the next, then the night before the meeting. Uh, he called and said, "Oh, it's not tomatoes. It's this thing called X-Men." And I just said, "That's a comic, right?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's how that's how little because I'd read some like Marvel that. stuff, and sure. I, but I'd read more Spider-Man and Fantastic yeah. Four, mm-hmm. uh, and and so I I was that unprepared for the first meeting, and I was just kind of <laughs> nodding and uh, listening sorry, to everybody. Okay. Oh, was, so. was
2: it cool going from uh, like very? cartoony stuff to a very serious...
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, it was we very were gratifying. All, we, Do you want
0: him to sign your names on this or would you rather just leave a blank like yes. that? Okay. Oh, oh, beach. Good yes. Lord. Okay. Yeah, sure, sure, <laughs> sure. sure. Yes. Let's um, be real here. Yeah.
1: yeah, no, the two main writer guys and I, I mean, everybody, all the people have been so frustrated by being told to write younger, 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 younger. younger. Everybody's ready to write older. And the two Thank guys, that, the two main writers i have gone to college with, we met... Programming movies, and we liked uh, westerns and war movies and mm-hmm. historical movies, and, and so that we, we liked serious stuff. Mm-hmm. We like tougher guy, you know, film noir. We like tougher guy movies. I said, oh, so they're gonna let us? Yeah. <laughs> <gonna do> that. <laughs> that. that's, that's
0: yeah. That's always the word. They're gonna let us. Yeah, they
1: The 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 pair salaries. Go ahead, sorry.
0: Do you mind if we take oh, picture? oh no, only if we can take the picture back too. Can we find somebody to help us? I help Debbie and Darwin. Oh, it's Mike Terry. Oh,
1: that's just, that's a different tall person. a oh, Tall
13: person. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: we can we can
1: take turns. Do a selfie. Okay. What's your name?
13: Uh, Lady Kaya Damorite.
2: Lady Kaya. <laughs>
13: yes, we'll just go with that.
2: <laughs> of Damorite?
13: No, uh, Lady Kaya Damorite. Damorite. I don't know. I'll I'll <laughs> spell okay, it phonetically. Put damn I'm right together, and you get Damorite. That's how my grandmother. T- yeah figured that out was damn I'm right and so that's how I got damn right (laughs) and
2: I'm sorry I I, forgive me the name of your kingdom is
13: the kingdom of Esperance
2: and this isn't live so if I get this wrong let me know and I can redo it okay Well, it was very, it was nice, very meeting nice meeting you. you. I'm sure nice we're going to see you with? again
18: at some point in time. I think so. Except I think not so. at a steampunk thing. Yeah. <laughs> because apparently that's just not going to work for you. It's so they just do the comic booky ones?
2: Comic book sometimes sci-fi, uh, but yeah, for the most part. What
18: are good sci-fi conventions out here?
2: There's a, what is it, CondorCon, I think, that's out here. Okay. I think that's a sci-fi convention, if okay. i yeah. Oh, what was the Great
18: Wall? Uh, oh, in regards to whether you can see it from space
15: or not... Yes, you can see Ben Affleck's mm-hmm. forehead from space. You Knew
18: it. <laughs> you cannot see the Oh my lord! I'm glad this wall. is being recorded. Yeah, Peter would, McBride yeah. was wrong.
2: The the only man-made thing you can see from space is uh, city lights. And
3: the destruction of the rainforest. Yeah.
2: Peter <laughs> the <desert>. McBride <laughs> uh,
18: was wrong.
2: Dun,
4: dun, dun, dun. We have an
2: exclusive.
20: It's, yeah, we are it's, it's recording. recording it. Oh, going out live. Lovely. We we what school did you go to? I went to Southwest High. Yeah, I, I went to Southwest High with you. Uh, 88. 89, so you did the year before. Yeah, before. you look familiar. You haven't changed too much. <laughs> you, <laughs> had a, yeah, 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 yeah. you had
2: a big gray beard in uh, <laughs> high school?
21: Yeah, well, you know. And I do. I love to do commissions. I, I Speaking of Attack on Titan, mm-hmm. I got commissioned uh, a year or so ago to do a, uh, a mashup of Legendary Godzilla and Attack on Titan. Oh. And I went. I went to the wall, <laughs> oh, and I, I did a double panel, yeah, rather than a single panel. Sure. So they got like twice the work for the amount of money.
2: That sounds like a like a dream job, right there. Like, yeah, I'll do that one. That was cool.
21: <laughs> I had so much fun on that. Oh,
2: I bet. If you'd like to sit down and chat with us, you get a free pen.
19: Uh we do it all the
2: time That's not too bad
19: we embarrass ourselves yeah
2: we made a hobby out of it yeah <laughs> um so that's not the one I'm basing it on right <laughs> I'm going, off, going of off the original the classic purple and pink costume,
3: costume. <laughs> with the helmet I? wasn't was pink it was shades of red <laughs> yeah okay okay
2: magenta what do you call it when you have so much good stuff um oh my god chocolate cake yeah it's cho- like chocolate cake with chocolate frosting <laughs> One, two, three, four. Four, 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 five, six, seven,
3: eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Let's make a song.
2: About songs, about numbers. About numbers.
3: <laughs> Where'd you go with songs? You ruined it! I was chewing. What are you chewing? Dry as nuts ever. <laughs> Got these nuts in my mouth and I'm chewing them.
4: How dry are they? <laughs> and how frequently do you put dry nuts in your mouth, boy? <laughs>